Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Using free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show. As the clock strikes 13, it's Monday, the 28th of February, year of our Lord 2022. Day 718 of the emergency. Now we have a new emergency. As the CDC has announced that indoor masking is no longer required, they were the last holdout. Well, no, actually not the last. You have the TSA is still holding out. They don't want to give that up. They're all about theater. They've always been about theater at the TSA. We're going to take a look at the convenient timing as they've now given us a new MacGuffin to chase. Ukraine. And we'll take a look at what is happening there. The massive propaganda campaign uh, just never ends. One fairy tale after the other. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Don't get fooled again. back and in the uh, later in the program is it going to be the third hour travis that yeah uh sam montoya is going to be uh, coming on with us he's running for u.s congress he was at the capitol as a reporter uh, now he wants to go back as a congressman and fix some things there so we're going to talk to sam who was arrested and uh the ordeal with that is still going on but uh, kudos to him for not being cowed down and for standing up to that. So we're going to be talking to him about that. The uh, primary is tomorrow in Texas. We'll talk to him about his experience there. But let's let's begin where all the news cycle has now been sucked into. We're not supposed to pay any attention to the fact that uh, they're pulling down all of the panic about uh, COVID everywhere. But, uh, you know, they're just going to declare victory and move on, which we've been saying for months Months. You know, last fall, I was saying, if they were smart, uh, 
they would declare victory and move on. But this isn't simply a, a political calculation. That is why they have to do it now. They have to do it now so that you forget that they took all this stuff away from you. So you reelect them so they can take it away again. Uh, but now they have uh, created another emergency. And uh, things are escalating. We have uh, Putin ordering nuclear forces on high alert, citing Western sanctions and what he says, uh, NATO making aggressive statements about our country. He said, for this reason, I give orders to the defense minister and the chief of the general staff to introduce a special combat service regime in Russia's army deference, uh, uh, deference force. He calls it deference, not deterrence. Anyway, uh, according to RT, and oh, by the way, <clears throat> it's pretty hard to get on RT. I don't know if you tried or not, <clears throat> but their uh, website is, um, and their articles uh, are displaying in a very strange way. Sometimes you can't get on. Uh, denial of service is happening there. Uh, so uh, they have been under attack from the very beginning of this, which tells you something else about our wonderful leaders. <laughs> Uh, if uh, they weren't worried about keeping a, uh, a unified narrative on this propaganda like they do on everything else, whether you're talking about uh, the uh, lockdowns or the vaccines or any of the rest of this stuff, they have to keep a unified narrative. And sometimes that just means that you just brute force pull the plug on people who ha are going to be telling a different side of the story. You don't want people to be able to actually make up their mind. We have uh, Western powers are making aggressive moves. They're not just talking aggressively. Uh, they're sending more weapons into Ukraine. You know, we look at the, and I talked about it on Friday, I think it was. can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. I know uh, that we have a much smaller audience on Saturday. Uh, but um, I, I talked about the Javelin uh, missile. It's not like a tow missile or something else where you have to stay there and guide it. You fire it and forget it. You fire it and run or duck, duck and cover. And uh, they're very amazing piece of technology. And it's been around since the middle of the 1990s. <clears throat> so uh, it's, it's not even all that new, but it's still truly amazing. But it comes with a price. Each one of those missiles costs more than the tank that it's designed to destroy. Have you seen that movie before? Do you remember when we had cruise missiles fired to destroy Gaddafi's t tents? <laughs> He's got a, a, yeah, maybe a little bit more than a pup tent in the desert. But they were tents. And we're sending multi-million dollar cruise missiles to blow up those, those tents. And then it got even worse under Hillary and Obama, where they went in and... Uh, didn't just try to do that as a, as a deterrence, but they overthrew him <clears throat> because he was setting up a central banking system. So on Saturday, the U.S. announced an additional $350 million in military aid for Ukraine. Uh, and let me just say <clears throat> that as they are, you know, one of the uh, issues for Putin, that Nalvani, who is a uh, you know, political dissident, a uh, competition to Putin, very popular, so Putin locked him up. And he has said from prison that these uh, old apparatchiks from the Soviet Union, meaning Putin, that these guys are going to get stuck in a quagmire like Afghanistan. i got to say, it's not like Afghanistan. 
because I truly do believe that Putin sees this as an existential threat. <clears throat> Afghanistan was a, a projection of power. It was an imperial war. And you could bloody their nose enough times that you could run them out of Afghanistan uh, by you know, arming Amuj, as uh, uh, <clears throat> he had uh, John McCain going around doing Republican women fundraisers. So yeah, here, here's uh, one of our Mujahideen. You know, uh, he'll be coming back around September 2001. Uh, but in the meantime, because he'll be useful for us in those purposes. Not that, that they actually did that. But he'll be useful for us then as well. And so we're going to use them right now as uh, puppets to come after the Afghans and so uh, after the uh, Russians. So if you want to fund an Afghan Muj, uh, we'll give them some missiles and that type of thing. This is not the same type of situation. Uh, I think that by going right to the doorstep of Russia, uh, that Putin perhaps, and this is the, the risk that we all take, and it's not really something that they're even risking. It's something that they would like to see happen, frankly. I agree with Joel Skousen. Uh, the establishment wants a nuclear war. That's part of the Great Reset. How much better to have us living in a uh, you know, 200 uh, square foot apartment in a tightly controlled smart city than to make sure that you've nuked the rest of the houses, right? Uh, and to make sure that we are dependent on them for everything. So they're on high alert. Putin is warning of nuclear deterrent. NBC News is reporting this. And even though it's being reported by NBC News, you, you can't believe it because they put out a press release. So this is not somebody saying we have an anonymous source saying that Putin is saying this. Putin put out a press release. Is he bluffing? Well, I think uh, these guys would love to, uh, they would love it if he was not bluffing, frankly. Uh, the State Department, by the way, has refused to say if the U.S. nuclear posture has changed. And so all of this is uh, very reminiscent. You know, history doesn't uh, repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Remember the duck and cover drills? Yeah, a little dum-dum, if you believe this stuff. There was a turtle by the name of Bert, and Bert the turtle was very alert. I thought his name was Mitch. That's McConnell. He never got hurt. He knew just what to do. He's duck. You notice that the monkey blew himself up. And cover. <laughs> he did what we all Suicide must learn to do. You. And you. And you. And you. Duck. And cover. Be sure and remember what Bert the Turtle just did, friends, because every one of us must remember to do the same thing. That's what this film is all about. Duck and cover. This is an official civil defense film produced in cooperation with the Federal Civil Defense Administration and in consultation with the Safety Commission of the National Education Association. When yeah, people danger, putting masks. This is the way he keeps from being hurt. <laughs> Sometimes it even saves his life. That's why these children are practicing to duck and cover just as you do in your school. We all know the atomic bomb is very dangerous. Since it may be used against us, we must get ready for it, just as we are ready for many other dangers. Yeah, we all know that uh, the NEA and public schools are very dangerous. And they may be used against us. They may be used to psychologically scar children. I think I somehow survived, but uh, I have a deep scar of cynicism uh, that runs. <laughs> it's very long, very wide, very deep from all of that. And if you want to get even more cynical, you can read the true story 
of Raven Rock, the story of the U.S. government's secret plan to save itself while the rest of us die. They called that continuity of government. It was a real gripping story because it hit home in a number of ways. When I first began reading Raven Rock, and it's a it's a well-written book, you know, it, it begins with Richard Nixon uh, resigning and uh, the nuclear football and all this kind of stuff, you know, and they're intercepting his communications as he's flying to, to uh, California after leaving office and a discussion about who was in possession of the nuclear football. But it begins by talking about Big Hole. Remember Big Hole, Travis? They're just down the road from where we used to live. And um, <clears throat> it was always a subject of rumor and speculation with everybody. And then one day, uh, Karen took the kids down to see it. <laughs> Good for her. Um, and uh, I was at work, but she took them down to see it just out of curiosity. And everybody said, you know, this uh, top secret government facility connected to AT&T, one of these hardened communication uh, places, uh, that, that's long since been shut down. And um, uh, they, they went in. I don't know. You were there. You want to say anything about it, Travis? Um, I don't know if he's here. Yeah. Yeah. So we went down and it's supposed to be mostly abandoned, but they have guards and guard towers and spotlights and they're carrying guns and like turn around. Yeah, yeah. This this long since abandoned uh, site. No, we don't use that anymore. Trust us. Yeah. Nothing but, going on here. Nothing to see. Just a whole turn around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going in there in the in the van, and they get this uh, turn around. Now you know <laughs> guard towers, the rest of the stuff. So yeah, that, none of this. This is all just old Cold War stuff, right? It's all done. Well, some of the stuff is not done. As a matter of fact, you had uh, FEMA coming out, just as, you know, Bert the Turtle was giving you very important life-saving information. Well, you have the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, has now updated its guidance to nuclear explosion survival, and they have included very essential tips to deal with COVID, because, you know, COVID is the worst disease that mankind has ever known. Because mankind globally has never responded to any disease like this. So therefore, it must be the worst disease we've ever had, right? They keep telling us that. They've completely altered the global economy. Uh, they've uh, rewritten all of the rules based on COVID. So it must be the worst thing. And it absolutely is. Because even as you are struggling to try to survive a nuclear blast, ducking and covering into a shelter, assuming that you've got one, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's building shelters anymore. I mean, at the beginning of this, the, their advice to everybody was, if you are, you know, you hear that there is going to be a nuclear war and you're leaving the city or you're outside the city, if you see a big flash in the distance, you've got a little bit of time. So get out of your car and lay in the ditch of the road to give you a little bit more cover. It's like, what? Oh, and uh, if you got it, put some cardboard over you. you know, that, that should help as well. Uh, so this is the updated advice uh, from FEMA about how to make sure that uh, as you survive the nuclear blast, you don't die from COVID. Quote, a nuclear explosion may occur, and um, with or without a few minutes warnings, they said, they updated on Friday, fallout is most dangerous in the first few hours after detonation when it is giving off the highest levels of radiation. 
And it takes time for fallout to arrive back on the ground, often within 15 minutes um, for areas outside the immediate blast damage zone. So FEMA recommends, I think maybe it's on the second one here. Yeah, here we go. FEMA recommends, and this is a screenshot of it, uh, the following steps to prevent significant radiation exposure, which include try to maintain a distance of at least six feet between yourself and people who are not part of your household in the bomb shelters. If possible, wear a mask if you're sheltering with people who are not part of your household. They're worried about social distance bubbles at this time. Uh, the problem is, is that, you know, this is all kind of made moot because uh, our government never bothered to really build any shelters. Uh, the Russians did, uh, but not our government. Uh, you know, they would label some subways as uh, shelters, right? Or maybe some schools if you could find some dust to stick your heads in. Uh, but, you know, they never really bothered to do that. So I guess this gives all new meaning to duck and cover. Duck and cover your face. Because you don't want to get COVID, whatever happens. If you're experiencing a medical emergency, they said, uh, then uh, let the operator know if you have or think you might have COVID-19. And, and if you can, put a mask on before help arrives. So they're telling you during the case of a nuclear attack, uh, call 911. <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd like to report a, uh, a, a nuclear flash over in the horizon here. Um, hello? Hello? <laughs> Anybody there? Uh, many people already feel fear and anxiety about the coronavirus 2019, COVID-19, they said. The threat of nuclear explosion can add additional stress. Yes, um, libs of TikTok are the ones who found that. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of different uh, problems with nuclear explosions. According to FEMA, you have a bright flash. It could cause temporary blindness. A blast wave, uh, that could melt you. Uh, radiation could cause you to slowly die. Uh, fire and heat, that could also vaporize you. And an EMP, which would take out everything uh, that is essentially necessary for modern life. And then fallout. But now we have, worst of all, possibly that you would have to get over your bubble and you'd have to shelter with somebody at COVID. FEMA says you've got 10 minutes after the shockwave passes to find the nearest best shelter location. If you're outdoors and the nuke goes off as radiation levels are the highest immediately after fallout arrives. But whatever you do, remember to wear your mask and practice social distancing so that you can avoid a painful cancerous death. Now, I'm not trying to scare people like um, Putin and Biden and the rest of them are. But uh, you should be very afraid of your government, and you should be afraid of how your government lies to you, does everything that it can to steal from you, to go to war with you with sanctions, lockdowns, and the rest of the stuff, mandates. And uh, then how it creates wars to endanger you. And where does this whole merry-go-round stop? I think, um, I don't know if you know, if you've ever seen this, but this is the, there was a good cartoon that was done, uh, animated thing. It was done back in the 1980s. And it was based on a, a cartoon book about a kind of an elderly, middle-class British uh, couple who 
were so trusting of government and they were going to keep calm and carry on and do everything that the government told them to do to survive a nuclear attack. It was called When the Wind Blows. Uh, let me play for you the trailer because this is, nothing has really changed, has it? Our government keeps giving us uh, ridiculous information, goading us into war, giving us a false sense of security, uh, one lie after the other. An extraordinary book is about to come to life as an unforgettable motion picture. It's the story of Jim and Hilda. Hello, dear. Hello, love. Did you have a nice morning, dear? Oh, all right, thanks. Rather uneventful. Two kind, well, simple people living on trust and hope. It'll take more than a few bombs to get me down. The Prime Minister, speaking a few minutes ago in the House of Commons, has warned that the international situation is deteriorating rapidly. Crumbs! Could break out. What's the matter, dear? Have you burned yourself? This is it, Ducks. Civil defence, man. This is really it. But now they're caught up in events which will change our world forever. Just you be careful, James. An enemy missile attack has been launched. Oh dear, I've left the oven on. Get in, get in, get in. The case will be there. So long, child. It's all over. I never felt shy. I tend to think of when the wind blows. When the And, of course, as you heard there, there's some music uh, from David Bowie, also written by uh, Roger Waters. Now, when the wind blows, maybe what they're talking about with Chernobyl. As I pointed out, um, I talked about it uh, a bit on Saturday. I had um, uh, someone contact me and say, uh, well, you know, did you ever think about Chernobyl and the fact that it was the first thing they went for? Perhaps they're looking for a unassailable base. That would be a reasonable, uh, obvious uh, reason that they would go to Chernobyl first uh, because uh, you don't want to have a heavy bombing campaign right there where they've capped that off, where they have a lot of uh, spent nuclear waste, which, by the way, uh, can, uh, as, as this article uh, from uh, Common Dreams on Zero Hedge points out, spent fuel cooling ponds and dry stores often contain more radioactivity than the reactors themselves. So you don't want to create a dirty bomb, especially when the wind blows, right? Because the prevailing winds are going to be going away from Russia and into Europe. Uh, they've already seen this the first time when this um, happened with Chernobyl. And as he says, you know, Chernobyl is now a war zone, says Dr. Jim Green. What could go wrong? Assuming there is a gentleman's agreement not to target nuclear power plants, how long would that agreement hold in a war if it had dragged on for years? But, of course, uh, by taking that 
and making that their first objective. They put themselves in a situation where uh, they were essentially unassailable, at least unshellable, and could not be attacked by artillery uh, unless the people were suicidal. And of course, you don't really have to worry about the health of your troops, do you? I mean, the key is, is that they survive long enough to give you the win. That's really the calculation of all of our leaders. Just go back. You don't think that we're that way as well? Go back and take a look at depleted uranium and look at the tank crews and what happened to them. Those were our weapons because they wanted to have depleted uranium that was so incredibly dense that uh, I had a a friend in the military, in the tank corps, he said uh, uh, that they could shoot, uh, they they would be able to find a a Russian tank uh, that was uh, being run by the Iraqis on the other side of a sand dune or whatever. Couldn't even see it, but they could line up on it and they could shoot the DU through the sand dune and take out that tank. He said he saw pictures of it. So, you know, that's a very, very effective weapon. And we don't really have to worry about the long-term effects, just like they don't have to worry about uh, Jim and Hilda or whatever their names were in that, in that film there, right? The long-term death from cancer and radiation. Uh, that's something we can handle with the VA. We'll give them some benefits or whatever. And I imagine the same kind of calculations being done by Putin and the Russians. What's important right now is that we get to an unassailable position and, um, you know, protect that. Uh, Of course, behind the scenes, Putin could also be blackmailing them to blow it up and blame it on somebody else. You know, do what I say or could do this. So that might be the the way to kick off a a nuclear war, uh, to do something like that. We might have to learn the hard way that using pre-deployed radiological weapons to boil water wasn't such a great idea after all. That's basically what nuclear reactors are. (laughs) You're using pre-deployment radiological weapons, dirty bombs, the rest of this stuff. Stuff that's going to have to be guarded and protected and cared for for a thousand years or so. And uh, if you don't do it, it can become a weapon or become a plague. And uh, why are we doing that? Well, we want to boil water, and we're, we've been told we can't do that with coal uh, or other than anything else that produces carbon dioxide, which is what we produce as well. Bennett Ramberg, a former foreign affairs officer with the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Political Military Affairs and author of the 1985 book Nuclear Power Plants as Weapons for the Enemy, discussed the nuclear risks associated with the Russia-Ukraine conflict February the 14th. He said, uh, power plants are common targets in modern conflict because destroying them inhibits a country's ability to carry on fighting. Uh, That's why you had Biden going after our energy sources on day one. This is all about takedown. This is all about scarcity, disruption, chaos, and they're doing it from the inside. They've been doing it from the inside for 718 days. And now they may invite or provoke somebody to do it from the outside as well. Anyway, he says, nuclear reactors are not like other energy sources. They contain enormous amounts of radioactive material, which can be released in any number of ways. Aerial bombing, artillery fire, could break a reactor's containment building or sever vital coolant lines that keep its core stable. And it's not just an active nuclear power plant. When we saw Fukushima 
it was the the cooling ponds for the stored nuclear waste, and that has to be kept cool constantly as well. Uh, what a thing we have created, this monster that has to be constantly uh, groomed, monitored, watched for millennia. Anyway, it says, uh, so, could, so too could a cyber attack that interrupts plant operations, as would a disruption of off-site power that nuclear plants rely on in order to keep functioning or to keep the uh, nuclear waste there. And so as a result, because uh, they're worried about when the wind blows from Chernobyl and what might happen, even if it doesn't turn into a, uh, a war where they're throwing nuclear bombs at each other, you have people in Finland buying up iodine tablets and preparing uh, for the worst. They're saying that they are essentially out of iodine tablets in Finland, and Russia is warning Finland and Sweden to uh, stay away from NATO. NATO is the provocateur, but that doesn't excuse Putin's escalation. It just makes his escalation all the more stupid, in my opinion, uh, but not justified. Uh, nevertheless, we understand that it is NATO aggression, even though it was passive aggression. We're going to talk about uh, more about propaganda when we come back because I tell you, th this has been, uh, and I'm glad that it hasn't been as widespread so far as it could have been. But still, we've likely had a lot of death. Uh, we don't know what the count is, how many hundreds of people have died with this. And yet when you look at the propaganda that is being put out, it is insane. Besides being dangerous, it is absolutely insane and pretty hysterical. We're going to take a look at some of that when we come back. Stay Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stay with us. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Pass to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing. 
and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com That's right. Uh, it's time for our fractured fairy tales. Uh, fractured propaganda, anyway. Propaganda exposed and ridiculed because ridicule is our most effective weapon against these people. Uh, they seek, no matter what has happened and the tragedies that have happened now, they seek to expand it. Uh, the American rhetoric, the, uh, the escalation, the arming is, is just as undeterred and just as aggressive and doubling down just as Putin is doubling down. And that ought to concern us. The fact that both sides appear to be doubling down. And, uh, of course, what they're doubling down on is a lot of silly lies. I just had uh, uh, Saturn Scott, I believe, as I wrote this down, but it's scroll passer, a listener on Rockfin, wrote, uh, Mr. President, uh, if we had a good reporter, they'd say at a press conference, Mr. President, could you point out Ukraine on the map, please? You dog-faced pointy liar, what are you asking me a question like that for? And as a matter of fact, that was already kind of anticipated by the Babylon Bee. Headline, Americans will now be required to identify Ukraine on a map before posting an opinion on Ukraine. (laughs) It said social media is going to put that up. Uh, You know, it looks like you were trying to tweet about Ukraine. Please locate the country on a map first. And uh, you have to make your selection before you can continue and post. They said this won't, of course, stop all the bad opinions from getting out there, said one analyst. But it should filter out something like 98% of the uninformed rhetoric on the conflict. And in some small way, it'll increase American knowledge of geography, which is never a bad thing. Well, it's about more than geography, isn't it? And uh, we have a lot of recycled, recycled video being put out of things that really happened, but not here, (laughs) not here and not now. And the very first day when I was showing all these clips that were going up on, on uh, social media, I said, well, here they are. And I have, there's no context to them. Uh, Some of them look authentic and may be authentic, but I don't know when or where these were shot, even if they are authentic. Uh, So I don't really know. And it turns out that a lot of them were not shot there and they were not shot as this was rolling out in Ukraine this last week. So we don't just have recycled lies, but we've got a lot of recycled videos that they're using to lie. As a matter of fact, as I was uh, showing some of those clips, uh, Vince Agnelli has been on the show many times. Uh, 
uh, sent a message and he said, uh, look, at, look at the silhouettes of those planes. Those are not legit uh, silhouettes of planes. And I said, yeah, again, I don't know what we're seeing here. I'm just showing you what is on Twitter right now. And uh, we can't trust any of this stuff because it, this is coming from governments. It's coming from major media accounts, blue check marks. You know, all the people who lie to you <laughs> all the time, the authoritative sources that lie constantly. So uh, here's some examples. And um, this is from uh, MiddleEastEye.net. And they spotted a lot of recycled uh, war footage from the Middle East that they said this is from Russia and Ukraine. For example, uh, they said um, uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Putin is now doing what he accused America of regime change in recent European history. The war is playing out in real time on digital platforms, as they point out. So first one, Syria. One particular video has been blamed for being a major source of fake news spreading online. Drone imagery shows Russian troop movement around Ukraine border. This is near Kharkov region, where the first guards of the Russian tank army were spotted earlier today. So it alleged to show uh, footage from an unmanned uh, vehicle precisely targeting and blowing up artillery, including tanks. And it was supposed to be there at that time in Ukraine. But the reality is, is that this is uh, from two years ago showing a Syrian government convoy being destroyed by a Turkish uh, Bayrakat, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, that's the name of their missile. Remarkably, the same footage was also shared on Facebook by Ukraine's land forces official account, the government of Ukraine. You know, you could look at some of this stuff and you say, well, somebody's just trying to uh, uh, grab some followers or some, you know, other things like that. But, uh, uh, a lot of this is malicious, uh, like this, for example. The Ukrainian official account put up this two-year-old footage of, uh, from Syria with a caption, Ukrainian Armed Forces released video with destruction of Russian military equipment and referenced that missile. And it remained up on the verified account. And as a result, it's been shared widely by Ukrainians and beyond. It's believed by those sharing the video to be an example of brave resistance from Kiev's forces. And this is a recurring theme, by the way. Look at these brave Ukrainians. Oh, that's just everywhere. Um, so Middle Eastern Eye reached out to Meta, that's Facebook, renamed, uh, for comment. And they maintain that they've established a special operations center to respond to activity on its platform in real time. They're monitoring. Yeah, they're reviewing the situation. It is staffed by experts, they said, from across the company, including native speakers, to allow us to closely monitor the situation so we can remove content that violates our community standards faster. Well, in some of these, some of these videos, you can actually see mosques and you can hear people speaking Arab. I guess there's a big contingent of Arab-speaking people with mosques in Ukraine. Well, no, actually, uh, 90% of Ukrainians identify as uh, Christian. Anyway, another one from Libya. Footage shared extensively claimed that a Russian fighter jet was shot down by Ukrainian air defense. The clip shows a single jet catching on fire before rapidly falling to the ground after being shot down. The video is not of a Russian jet in Ukraine, but of Libyan rebels who were shooting down a plane in Benghazi, 2011. So 11 years old. 
during the overthrow of Gaddafi by Hillary Clinton uh, for central bank purposes, of course. Uh, they uh, essentially froze his accounts and withdrew his life. The uh, same clip, again, purporting to show a Russian jet being shot down, received over 48,000 views on Facebook. Another clip showing uh, fighting in Lebanon, arguably one of the most audacious attempts at spreading fake news. Some social media users shared recognizable footage of the 2020 Beirut port, port, port blast. Uh, the U.S. imperial prophecy has finally come true, and Putin, the great Russia, has attacked Ukraine in that particular footage, but it's very old. The 30-second clip shows smoke billowing above buildings in the Lebanese capital before a huge explosion creates a massive fireball. The two most engaged tweets sharing the particular video have since been removed by Twitter. And then uh, we have one more of these uh, events that were uh, uh, grabbed by um, Middle East Eye. And um, this is in Palestine, and this is uh, the one that I was talking about where there were mosques in view, and you could hear Arab speakers in the uh, video, uh, and uh, pictures showing cities reduced to rubble. Well, uh, that wasn't that. It wasn't uh, a Ukrainian city. It wasn't Kiev. It wasn't Kharkov. It wasn't any of those. As a matter of fact, last week, we talked about the mobile crematoriums. And um, <laughs> that, that was one that certainly did not pass the sniff test. Uh, Travis was the first one to talk to me about that. He saw that first, and he, he was laughing about it. Mobile crematoriums. Uh, just to refresh your memory, uh, this is what that looks like as it was put out. There's uh, the, the Telegraph from U.K., and, of course, uh, YouTube videos about it. Pretty much every mainstream media outlet. The Sun uh, put it up. Uh, you had uh, Business Insider, Josh Rogan. Uh, you had Fox News, CNN, The Mirror, The Metro, Daily Mail. So most of them British. But, you know, Fox and CNN picked up on it as well. Everybody was picking up on it. And my comment at the time was, you know, they were saying, well, this is, this is really, you know, Putin is just going to cremate the soldiers on the spot to try to hide any casualties. And how, what is that going to do for morale? And I said, well, what does it do for morale to be sent into a war that's unnecessary to know that you're probably going to die anyway? I don't really care what they do. <laughs> that's uh, the next step. Uh, and I said, uh, as I talked about it at the time, I said, but, you know, as we think about this, uh, each of us ought to live our lives as if there is a mobile crematorium following us around, <laughs> you know, because tomorrow or even later today is not promised to any of us. And, and so the, the screaming headlines from the Telegraph, Russia deploys mobile crematoriums to follow its troops into battle. And then we had Ben Wallace, the UK defense secretary, suggested that the vehicle mounted incinerators would be used to hide evidence of battlefield casualties. And the media went full tanto. And again, that, that was the expression that uh, Ben Wallace used. Everybody was echoing that. They said, oh, look, you know, the uh, Russians have gone full tanto. Also, I just super. want to break in here really yeah. quickly. Uh, 
One of the worst things that always happened with war is a pestilence that usually came with it due to all the dead bodies back in the day. If an invader was going to bring a crematorium with them to clean up, clean up their mess as they went and not leave just a mass of bodies lying around, that would actually be kind of thoughtful if you think about it. Well, you know, they are thinking about it. They've, they've got uh, – some people have talked about how they're uh, designing the eater robots – you know, like the uh, Skynet type of thing where they can f- use uh, dead humans to uh, fuel themselves and keep going on. Yeah. it's uh, None of this makes any sense, mm. though. A- and as they pointed out, uh, the uh, Russians have a, uh, a doctor, just as we do, that they don't leave anyone behind. They actually have a name for it, Code 200, or as they call it, Gruz 200. Um, and uh, says, quote, all the dead bodies being transported away from the battlefield. In other words, uh, nobody left behind, even the dead bodies. But it turns out, as ridiculous as the story was, and, you know, of course, you didn't buy into it either, Travis, you know, but uh, as it turns out, all of these pictures are from about a decade ago, 2013. The recycling pictures, with just like these recycled war videos, all these pictures of the mobile crematoriums are there as well. The Telegraph took the exact same video, and they cut out the part at the end with contact information showing that it's an advertisement. It was a video that was not put out by the Russian Defense Ministry. It was a video that was put out by the company that was selling mobile uh, incinerators. And they were using it for biological waste. Uh, They were using it, as they pointed out later in a Wall Street Journal story about this. Wall Street Journal interviewed people from the company. Uh, Mikhail Vostrakov, chief executive of the company Termalin, a Russian company. This is uh, Wall Street Journal talking about this back in 2015. So Telegraph, the UK Telegraph, gets a video. They know it's an old video. They know it's a promotional video from this particular company. They know it's not from the Russian Defense Department. They cut off the promotional thing at the end and portray that as uh, something that is coming from the Russians now. 2013, nine-year-old video. And then two years later, 2015, this uh, story from Wall Street Journal talking about a Russian company that makes and sells incinerators They said they rejoice when Mr. Putin orders things to be destroyed. One year, it was caviar from illegal poaching. Another year, it was petroleum byproducts that proved to be particularly lucrative for his St. Petersburg-based firm. Mr. Vostrakov said, We all fell on our knees and kissed the portrait because we received so many orders from Putin. Since Mr. Putin's latest decree, the phones have been ringing. Discussions with the government are underway. Two new incinerators are en route to burn contraband coming over the Chinese border. That's what they've been using it for, burning contraband. And uh, Wall Street Journal pointed that out seven years ago. But the British government produced zero evidence that this machine is currently being used in the war. Dozens of top media outlets in the world ran with it anyway after the telegram. Uh, Telegraph, rather, uh, put that out there, manufactured that. Oh, and by the way, uh, as more evidence that the UK Telegraph deliberately did this to lie to people, they disabled comments. So they edit the video to show that, that showed that it was a commercial 
advertisement not associated with the military. They provide zero evidence of it, and then they shut off the comments so that people can't talk about it. Then picked up by all of these mouthpieces for the government establishment, like Business Insider. They're one of the worst. Putin going to extreme lengths to hide Russian soldiers who are dying while fighting in Ukraine. Uh, and uh, that, that was a story from way back in 2015. They even recycled that story. Russia is using mobile crematoriums to hide the Ukraine dead. And this goes back to 2015 as well. Why would they do that? Well, because there's been fighting going on in Donbass, other regions, for over eight years. And so they've been using this mobile crematorium story for eight years. It is recurring recycling of lies. And so then CNN does it. And uh, <laughs> you have um, uh, The Mirror. Uh, you have uh, the Metro, both of those U.K. publications, Fox News, Fox News headline, Ukraine invasion, Russian forces have mobile crematorium that can evaporate soldiers killed in attacks. The Daily Mail revealed, revealed, <laughs> eight years after they've been telling lies about this, uh, or seven years, I should say, uh, nine years after uh, it was talked about for getting rid of contraband. But Daily Mail revealed Russia's mobile crematoriums designed to evaporate dead soldiers and hide the true scale of war. And they put evaporate in quotes. Uh, that's the terminology that was invented by the, uh, you know, created by the uh, Telegraph at the initiation of this line. As Information Liberation points out, they've got all the headlines uh, that are uh, snapshots of it there. They said, this is pure disinformation being spread by media outlets, which lobbied successfully for independent media to be blacklisted on Google, censored on social media for supposedly spreading disinformation. But hey, if you want disinformation, Dan Crenshaw, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, is a one-stop place to get all of your disinformation. Nobody's doing it better. I mean, he's even better at disinformation than Matt Drudge is right now. Listen to this tweet. This is all in just one tweet. Every one of these things a lie now. We know. So the first thing, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, this was uh, on the 25th of uh, uh, February. So this is Friday. So he says, Snake Island says, go F yourself. The ghost of Kiev kills five Russian jets by himself. A woman passes out sunflower seeds to Russians so they'll grow flowers when they die. A 25-year-old woman says she'll make Molotov cocktails this weekend. Dan Crenshaw puts all that out and then finishes up with, Ukrainians are fighters. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> except the problem is, no, this is true. Uh, but it does ingratiate Dan Crenshaw to the powers that be. And he doesn't have to worry about getting his blue check removed for disinformation, right? Let, let me say to you that um, there is, of course, you know, COVID is the most dangerous thing. It's more dangerous than war. It's more dangerous than nuclear war, as we see from FEMA. And so you better not talk about that because you could get, people could die if you talk about that. But, of course, if you spread all these lies and, and push to escalate this, oh, yeah, these Ukrainians are fighters, that's not putting anybody at risk, is it? We don't have to uh, say this is dangerous disinformation, is it? And 
what was amazing when I saw this disinfo from Dan Crenshaw were some of the left-wing trolls who said, you've been whining about masks and vaccines and calling Canada, Canadian authorities uh, authoritarian. Seems pretty silly given what is happening now, huh, Dan? That was from a Kevin M. Brown. Well, Kevin, maybe you don't realize that um, they, uh, they have moved on to another narrative. And yes, those things were a problem. It was never COVID that was a problem. It was the government actions. And Ukraine is not a problem for us. It's our government action. Another one said, um, uh, Crenshaw helped to cover up the Republicans' presidential efforts to shake down the Ukrainians for electoral advantage. Well, this person is obviously bought into all this wag the dog stuff. This person is obviously a yellow dog Democrat who can easily be wagged. He doesn't understand anything about what's been going on with the DNC, what's been going on with Ukraine. But they're playing into his Russia, Russia, Russia prejudices and what he's been taught to believe. So I mentioned Snake Island and uh, that, uh, well, I guess we could call it an urban legend, but it's really more of a social media legend. And um, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't show you this picture here of the crematorium. That's, uh, that's Fox News and Daily Mail uh, and their headlines that I was talking about. But here is Snake Island. You know, the, the legend of this is that uh, at Snake Island, you had these brave Ukrainians, the tale of 13 Ukrainian soldiers stationed on Snake Island, refusing to surrender to a Russian war, uh, warship and telling them to go F yourself before being blown to smithereens. Unfortunately now, footage has appeared of the people on Snake Island surrendering to the Russian troops alive. Uh, this is the footage that you can see right there. And um, uh, that is the reality. The surrendering to Russian troops. Earlier, the Ukrainian government had claimed that they had all refused to surrender and had died he uh, heroically. So, um, yeah, that is uh, another urban legend bites the dust. <laughs> and uh, so on late Friday, early Saturday, Russia released video purportedly showing dozens of Ukrainian soldiers stationed on Snake Island that were detained alive. They said it was about 82, not 13, 82, who renounced their resistance, voluntarily laid down their arms, and will be sent home to their families after going through legal procedures. And um, they said um, they were previously operating, according to available information, said the, uh, uh, the, Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian government, as they got caught with egg on their face. Well, you know, that, that was what we were told. That was what we were told. And um, it's based on preliminary um, information before we lost contact. So, you know, somebody told us that that's what happened. How did, if they lost contact, how did they know that's what happened? Who else had better contact with their own soldiers than the Ukrainian government? Said currently after receiving information about the probable location, uh, together with the armed forces, we're working to identify our soldiers, which is common in open networks. And we sincerely hope that the boys will return home as soon as possible, and the information received at the time of this attack of, uh, on, on the death will not be confirmed. And then as they admit that they were lying, they then say this, We understand that Russian propagandists know how to make the necessary information attacks and use them. 
noting that Ukrainian defenders have surrendered. So in other words, we lied to you. We said they died heroically. And now when we're caught, we say, well, we'd lost communication. So somebody told us that. Well, who was in communication with them if you lost it? And then when the video surfaces, they say, those Russians, they're propagandists. And of course they are. Every one of these governments is lying to us on both sides. You can't tell anything that is happening here. Uh, so uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when you look at uh, how they are censoring all information everywhere, uh, Snake Island is just one of the examples. But again, in this article, uh, information liberation has grabbed the headlines from all of the major news media. Fox News, Ukrainian soldier live stream from Snake Island during heroic stand against Russia. How did that happen, Fox? Because they didn't have any communication, they say now. Oh, who lied to who? New York Post, defiant Ukrainian border guards killed after telling Russian warship to go F yourself. BuzzFeed, same quote. These guards on a Ukrainian island being refu refused to surrender before being killed by Putin's troops. The Guardian, same thing. USA Today, same thing. Same thing. Uh, we've got pictures of a, um, a Strela tank. This is another one, or not a tank, a Strela air defense system. So, you know, we had the uh, pictures of a tank that was running over a car and other things like that. And so uh, now people are starting to get close-ups of some of these things and saying, well, you know, that's not the right kind of equipment. This is just one example. Uh, reminder, be skeptical of any initial reports or claims tonight, including those from Russia or from Ukrainian government sources. Many people said this was a Russian tank in Kiev this morning, but it is a Strela 10, an air defense system. It is almost certainly Ukrainian. And then we have the ghost of Kiev. Oh, yes, the ghost of Kiev. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have uh, the legend of the fighter pilot that downed six Russian jets. And uh, as this legend is spreading, and it's being picked up and passed on by people like Dan Crenshaw and his buddy Adam Kinzinger, uh, <laughs> Somebody put in Sam Hyde. I talked about this last week. You can see that Sam Hyde's face there, photoshopped awkwardly into a picture. Uh, never, nobody else bought this except Adam Kinzinger. And I'm not sure that Adam Kinzinger is that stupid either. I think he's just using whatever propaganda he can. Because even after this was blown up and people exposed what this was, you still have uh, people saying, I don't care. I don't care, and I'll show you those in a moment. But first of all, um, Ghost of Kiev, he says he has a name, and he has absolutely owned the Russian Air Force. Godspeed and more kills Samuel. And, of course, Sam Hyde is a comedian. Uh, they have used him to... Um, they've used him to... Um, uh, as a poster child for uh, shootings that have happened. As a matter of fact very similar to what you see just happening with Snake Island. There was a shooting a few years ago. I mentioned this last week when I talked about Sam Hyde. And CNN, Jake Tapper particularly, uh, repeated the statement by a Democrat congressman who said that this particular shooting was carried out by, we now know the person's name, Sam Hyde. And um, so that congressman said it. And uh, Jake Tapper ran with it. 
you know, because if the Ukrainian government says it or if a Democrat congressman says that's all you need, you don't need any confirmation of that if you're CNN, right? And, and so I, I mocked him. I mocked Jake Tapper on social media. And he replied and said, uh, I was told that by um, a congressman, and that is a good source of information. Of course, we're going to go with a congressman. I said, of course you would, especially a Democrat congressman, and you would never check your sources and make sure this is right, would you? And at that point, he banned me. But that's exactly what happened. That's the excuse uh, from all these different – well, we were told that by the Ukrainian government. And so, you know, hey, that's a uh, – we can take that to the bank, right? So, um, yeah, you look at this, and the people are undeterred. Look at this tweet that came out. After all this was mocked and exposed – and the whole Sam Hyde stuff and everything. Look at these tweets. This one from uh, somebody called uh, Christopher Goldsmith. He's got a check mark by him, so maybe, you know, unlike me, he's somebody that Twitter likes. Uh, they won't give me a check mark. Not that I want one. I won't give them the information they want to give me one anyway. Uh, but he says, as your resident disinfo expert, I'm here to tell you that the truth behind the ghost of Kiev doesn't matter. The legend matters. It's boosting Ukrainian morale, and Ukrainian resilience is scaring the hell out of Putin, so tweet away. See, truth doesn't matter. Our agenda is all that matters. And then this tweet, uh, this is from somebody called KFC Barstool. Kentucky Fried Chicken Barstool? Is that the, they also got a check mark there. Also a person loved and honored by Twitter, given the sacred check mark. The people who crap on the ghost of Kiev for being a fake story are the worst. How about maybe just getting behind a badass story to support Ukraine rather than priding yourself on being little Snopesy narcs? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, the truth doesn't matter. You know, just get behind Ukraine. Just right now, we just need to cheer Ukraine and the truth doesn't matter. They admit that. Uh, take a look at this picture here. This was shown as evidence of... Uh, Russian uh, damage that was done. And look, you know, he did start shooting a war. He deserves that kind of damage, but they undermine their case when they show this type of thing. As I pointed out, uh, this is uh, somebody probably with the Russian government called Russians with an Attitude. They're doing their own counter-narrative on uh, social media. An apartment building was hit in Kiev, Currently unclear whether it was hit by a Russian missile aimed at a nearby airport or by Ukrainian manpads trying to take down the plane that was firing at the airport or another building. Uh, former was probably more likely. So, you know, we don't know. It's up pretty high. Uh, there is no rationale for something like that to happen. But, of course, if you start a shooting war, you're going to have innocent civilians killed. That's why you don't start wars. That's why you don't escalate wars. Uh, most likely, they said, the lack of necessary maintenance and aged equipment that has been in service with the Ukrainian military since Soviet times, if it was, as they said, maybe a missile that was shot up at a plane. Uh, maybe it didn't work because it's very old. Maybe it wasn't maintained properly. Uh, that's their uh, rationale behind it. But look, you're still talking about an escalation into a shooting war. And I'm, I'm not going to defend Russia or Putin over that at all. None at all. 
I know this is passive aggressive. And I know that NATO is still acting in aggression. I know they're still arming people. They want to have a protracted war right there. They're playing a very dangerous game of empire. And it is reprehensible. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, again, uh, it's to take it to the next level. I don't find that justified uh, personally. So let, let And then we have this. Um, we have uh, this type of propaganda put out there. Uh, how many pictures of armed Ukrainian women have you seen everywhere? Former Miss Grand Ukraine joins the fight against Russian invasion. So on the right hand, uh, you see her in her uh, evening gown, all dressed up with makeup and everything. And then she is posing, holding a gun uh, to the side there. Proving what? Well, that a former model can hold a gun for a picture. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a, and we're, we're looking at, as they're training these people in Ukraine, picture after picture after picture, they've got wooden rifles that they're giving to women and to men to train with. And it's like, is that what you want to train with? Is that really your, uh, uh, how this is going to pan out for you guys? Meanwhile, uh, we've got a lot of fake news in and around the president, Zelensky. Uh, and he is now, as dire as all this is, and we've seen all of these pictures of him uh, suited up for war. Uh, it turns out that was last summer when they were having some drills. All those pictures are being recycled as well. So he's not the guy who's gotten a helmet and his uh, fatigue, combat fatigue is going to go fight the, uh, the uh, Russians. No, what he's actually doing is he's talking to Sean Penn about a documentary. While all this is happening, uh, we've got uh, Sean Penn meeting with Ukraine's comedian president, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, as part of a documentary on the Russian invasion. As his country is being destroyed, he's filming a documentary. So, Sean Penn visiting President Zelensky amid all the calamity, and Zelensky finds time to chat with him. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if that wasn't crazy enough, here's the next thing. Uh, the chief of MI6 in UK, Richard Moore, says to the Ukrainians, remember what you're fighting for. You're fighting for LGBT plus rights. Is that right? Is that right? With the tragedy and destruction unfolding so distressingly in Ukraine, he says, we should remember the values and the hard-won freedoms that distinguish us from Putin. None more than LGBT plus rights. So let's resume our series of tweets. So I guess now we have some new letters to add to the LGBTQ plus IA or whatever. We can now call it the LGBT MI6. <laughs> these, are, these are spies who identify as LGBT. Uh, and uh, so he is all aboard on all of that, just as the Pentagon is. And so this is the 21st century version of Frank Capra's Why We Fight series. During World War II, the U.S. military had Frank Capra, the guy who, um, if I'm, I, I believe it was Frank Capra. I'm sure somebody will tell me if it wasn't. But I think it was Frank Capra who did the Why We Fight series. And um, it was a series of uh, propagandistic films telling to boost morale 
and to try to give a perspective, the government's perspective on how we got into the war and what we were fighting for. Uh, but now what we're fighting for is LGBT plus rights. And that, we're told, is what distinguishes us from Putin. Uh, show a picture, uh, Travis, of this Breitbart article. Uh, they have a um, rainbow-like um, a tank and uh, all of the LGBT plus soldiers. And I guess, you know, we could uh, maybe we could loan them the uh, transgender that uh, uh, man uh, dressing up as a woman, maybe we, that divine guy or whatever. Is that his name? Rachel Divine? Yeah, I think so. Or am I thinking of a John Waters film? I don't know. Things are starting to get blurry here in the 21st century. There you go. Pink tank with all the rainbow flags and all they need to complete this is to take um, that uh, appointment of Joe Biden and put him on top in his dress. I can't Under even imagine being a Ukrainian soldier <laughs> out in the cold, in the dark, fighting for your home country, and then you check your phone just to see what's happening, and this is what comes across your dashboard. Yeah. Just, just, I think I'd just throw down my rifle, just like, no, nah, I'm done. This it's is over. what you're fighting for. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just going to go home. You look to your guy and you go, uh, have you ever thought that maybe we're the baddies in all of this? Or <laughs> maybe there's not anything here worth saving anymore. I don't yeah. know. Uh, under Moore's directorship, the MI6 recently warned the UK's intelligence personnel of their white privilege, of their hierarchy, of gender biases, as part of an effort to develop, quote, a diverse and inclusive culture unquote, across the spy agency. Last year, the intelligence agency chief promised to use MI6's resources to spy on other countries to verify their compliance with climate change pledges. You see, it's all about climate change. It's all about LGBT. Uh, it's all about white privilege, all the rest of this stuff. These are the people on our team. <laughs> this is why so many people have jumped on the side of Putin. Uh, anybody who's not with them uh, has <laughs> uh, anyway. The uh, climate emergency said more. The chief of MI6. By the way, that's his Twitter handle, Chief MI6. Uh, the climate emergency is the foremost international foreign policy agenda item for this country and for the planet. So then, why did you provoke Putin to drive all those tanks around? You know, they they put out a lot of emissions. They get uh, many gallons per mile. Uh, so why would you do that? Why would you release all of these, um, blow up all these missiles and everything if you're really concerned about the climate? Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and we come back. Uh, we've got more tales, more fractured fairy tales. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's, it's bottomless, essentially. I just had to shorten these down, but there's a lot more coming. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Has your news been censored, banned, censored, banned over and over again? Has vital information been held prisoner by mainstream and anti-social media? It's the duty of every thinking person to make the great escape to thedavidnightshow.com. There you'll find links to live streams, videos, audio podcasts, and support links. Live stream the show at DLive and every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Videos at BitChute and YouTube. New audio podcast, The Real David Knight Show. At Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and more. But even though there's a light at the end of the tunnel, without your support, the show will run out of gas. The links to support the show are at thedavidnightshow.com to donate via Subscribestar, donate via or donate via Cash App, Bitcoin, or P.O. Box. Our sincere thanks to all of you who have stood with us to get this far. Please don't forget to share the links and pray for the country as well as our family. All right, and we have a primary tomorrow in Texas. And just in time, Governor Greg Abbott is now virtue signaling about Russian products. He has asked Texas retailers to take all Russian products off of their shelves. And everybody is scurrying to take down the little Madrioski dolls, right? Uh, no, no, it's about vodka pr primarily. I don't know what else uh, Russian products we have besides vodka and Madrioski. Uh, and uh, so some Texas restaurants have already started to replace Russian products on their own accord. Folks, this is just silly virtue signaling. I remember when, and I don't remember which one of our ridiculous wars it was, but the French were not uh, supporting us. And so everybody got... Uh, mad at the French. You're either with us or you're against us. I believe that was the Iraq War. Was it Iraq? Yeah. Because I remember that. Yeah, they, good. Okay. They, they were wise to the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> so, so, which brings to mind Monty Python. You stupid English types. We throw weapons of mass destruction at you, right? Hurl uh, the cow over the wall. It may also just be that they have so much vacation time, they can't afford to have a war. <laughs> That's true. No, no. He would interfere. I cannot. That's right. So, uh, yeah, the the joke was on us, by the way. But at at the time, you know, we didn't. They didn't want to support our ridiculous weapons of mass destruction lies and go to war. Uh, we said, yeah, those French surrender monkeys. You know, they <laughs> their tanks only have one gear, reverse, and all the rest of the stuff. And we started saying, uh, we're not going to call them French fries anymore. We're going to call them freedom fries. Well, they were never French to start with. <laughs> but you know, apart from that. Uh, they must have been, just been shaking their heads. Like, what are you talking about? French fries. <laughs> I do not know what you mean. Anyway, 
Um, you keep using those words, but I don't think you know what they mean. I feel like the French barely care about any other country anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, you know, 50 million Frenchmen were not wrong about weapons of mass destruction. Uh, the uh, Cheneys and the Bushes and the, uh, the rest of these people were. Um, so uh, he's out there now. Greg Abbott is now doing his own little freedom fry virtue signaling along with a lot of other people. And uh, this article here, the Dallas Morning News, typically they don't like uh, Greg Abbott, but, you know, they're going to go out there and they're going to feature him. And then they're going to go around and talk to all these different people who have restaurants, people, the executive director of the Texas Package Stores Association and so forth. Uh, another restaurant owner said all six of his restaurants and his 47-year-old business have already been told to pull Russian vodka. He's got locations, two of them in Austin and San Antonio, one in El Paso, and a restaurant in Albuquerque. Well, you know, he'll pull the vodka, and then he can just use it later, right? What's, what's the big deal about this? And as many people point out, well, you know, why pull it off the shelves? You just don't buy any more of it. You've already bought it. I mean, did we have, and of course, this is happening in Canada as well. Canada, U.S. bars, liquor stores are taking away vodka off the shelf. Well, did we take maple syrup off the shelves and boycott Canadian maple syrup when Trudeau was doing what he did to the truckers? No. No, we didn't, did we? Uh, so, again, this is just more of the wartime insanity. Oh, and then it gets even better. Even better. Uh, take a look at this article talking about uh, Chicken Kiev. Did I not give that to you? I don't see that in here, Travis. There's a, uh, anyway, there's a, um, see if you can find that while I'm talking about this. Uh, somebody wrote an article. I took a screenshot of it. And it says, don't call it Chicken Kiev, K-I-E-V. Uh, spell it with a Y, you know, the way that you're now seeing Kiev spelt. And, and I just have to say, if you are going to do, um, you know, if you're going to talk about chicken Kiev and how it's not politically appropriate, I mean, in light of the ghost of Kiev and all the rest of the stuff, we can't have chicken associated with Kiev, no matter how you spell it, right? Even if you spell it politically correct with a K-Y-I-V. Yeah, there you go. You found the article. Um, scroll up and uh, see if you can find the uh, picture. Yeah, there it is right there. And um, the tweet, I think, is coming in right underneath that. Uh, Please change the name on the menus to spell it the way all the propagandists are spelling it right now. Instead of K-I-E-V, spell it K-Y-I-V. But again, you got to realize it's going to be dangerous because you're going to be associating chicken with Kiev. We don't want to do that. Also, I'm sorry to break in again, mm -hmm. but it's really spooky to me how malleable we've made language. Like, anytime something happens, it seems like, oh, change this, rename that. It's That's right. Well, it's the high ground, mm -hmm. right? If you label something, you have taken the high ground rhetorically. Now, that's why I object to the fact that we call ourselves red. Yeah. Right? We're a red state now. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> It, the red states are the are the California. I and hate New to York. reference 1984 just because it seems so played out, but the whole just like continually breaking with history, just yeah. rewriting it That's over right. and over again. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, anyway, we have uh, uh, finally. Okay, this is uh, 
This is one more here. This is uh, a, a guy, a video, showing um, he, he's in his car. And he's recording video, and there's a tank that's stopped, and the soldiers are outside the tank. And uh, so he pulls up, and he, he stops. Are you guys broken down? Broken down? We're, we're out of fuel. Can I tow you back to Russia, he says. Do you know where you're going? No, no, we don't know. <laughs> Takiev. <laughs> well, while everything is on your side, uh, on our side, uh, yours and prisoners surrender because the boys also do not know where they're going. <laughs> and he drives off. <laughs> so they're out of gas, and he says, uh, "You're broken down now. We're out of gas. Uh, you want me to give you a lift back to Russia?" <laughs> and they all had a lap. Uh, what that reminded me of was. Uh, the um, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. That movie that I play all the time. This thing. Everybody You know they they're in a submarine and something happens. I don't know. They run out of gas. I know they didn't run out of gas, but something happened and maybe they ran aground. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched the movie. But they they go on to the uh, uh, into the small rural town and um, they're trying to I guess find what they need or something. And uh, everybody in that small town thinks the Russians have invaded them. Uh, but, of course, the Russians have invaded Ukraine. Uh, that's for sure. But um, uh, perhaps, and hopefully looking at that video, it is not as dire as many are portraying it. Then there's the story. I don't know if this is true or not. Two Russians uh, had their vehicle sputter out. They also ran out of gas. What does this say about <laughs> the Russian military? And their ability to handle logistics. You know, uh, Napoleon understood that a long time ago. He said an army runs on its stomach. Uh, and tanks run on gas. <laughs> what should they explain that to Putin, I guess? I don't know. Uh, so they, uh, they ran out of gas. So they went to a local Ukrainian police station, they say. And they asked if they could have some fuel. Uh, at which point they were arrested by the police. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, we're talking about not the fog of war, but we're talking about the punchlines of war. And when you look at all this stuff, <laughs> it's really just kind of a joke. Again, the, the pictures of the Ukrainian president fighting on the front lines and everybody cheering him on, but they're all recycled pictures from April of last year. As the conservative treehouse says, Question everything. Take nothing at face value. Uh, it's very easy to become a victim of psychological warfare intended to manipulate our opinions. And in that article, they show yet another picture of um, Adam Kinziger tweeting out a picture that purports to be you know, some kids uh, saluting uh, some Ukrainian uh, soldiers going by. Well, it turns out that was uh, from back in 2016. All this stuff is being recycled, spun, lied about. I mean, I suggest uh, taking a little bit of time and going back and watching <laughs> Wag the Dog uh, just to kind of get a perspective of all this stuff. Unfortunately, almost everything being transmitted from corporate news into our psyche is part of the battle for your mind. The goal is to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Keep a distance from this. Your fight is not in Ukraine. Your fight is in the U.S. Your fight is against these people who are playing games with your life and have been playing games with your life for 718 days.
I spent a lot of time talking about this. I don't want to get distracted in this. I've got a lot of information about the uh, freedom truckers in Canada, about the People's Convoy in the U.S., about problems with the uh, more problems that are surfacing. All this stuff is starting to explode in their face. Insurance companies are speaking out about people being killed and harmed in other ways by these vaccines. Uh, the numbers are coming out. The people are fed up with it. The politicians understand it. They're looking at the polls. And they also know that if you figure out the fraud and the, the, the criminal fraud behind Operation Warp Speed from Trump to Biden, these people should go to jail. Bipartisan. Bipartisan. And so uh, they have to have a distraction to change the subject. Uh, the White House, which means a total global effort, globalist effort, tipped their hand earlier this week when they defined strategic power, quote unquote, and their outlook winning the battle for the mind. Everything is about writing a script, creating a narrative, building a, quote, better story for they the globalists are the heroes. In essence, the strategic power battle is for your mind. They said, ultimately, the goal of our sanctions is to make this a strategic failure for Russia. And let's define a little bit of what that means. Strategic success, they said. This is a, a Deputy National Security Advisor, uh, Dalip Singh. So he says, strategic success in the 21st century is not about a physical land grab of territory. And that's what Putin has done. In this century, strategic power is increasingly measured and exercised by economic strength, by technological sophistication, and by your story. Who you are, what your values are, can you attract ideas and talent and goodwill? And on each of these measures, we will be a... This will be a failure for Russia. Why? Well, because everything in modern warfare is storytelling. And this is why it's important for us to fracture these fairy tales. We have to not be had by them. We have to laugh at these lies. Uh, as uh, heinous as what is happening right now, the appropriate way to respond to these people when they talk about the guards on Snake Island or the ghost of Kiev or the lady with the sunflower seeds, here, eat these so that we'll have sunflowers when you die. All of that. It's just calculated lies. And our appropriate response to that is to uh, push back on it. Before I take a break, there's one more thing I want to talk about in terms of— Do you mind of, if I break in real yeah, fast? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'd also just want to point out to these people that while— the psychological war has been very effective on the U.S. They've lost every single war where they've employed these tactics. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Russia they, they isn't able... employing these tactics. They're going for a strategic land grab, and they're going for it militarily. Yeah, these people have lost every single land war they've engaged in, and that's right. they were failing upwards. Like we lost Vietnam. All right, go to Afghanistan. Now we're going to fight Russia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they. Um... Uh, they keep losing the hearts and minds. That was what they kept saying they wanted in Vietnam. And uh, the way you get the hearts and minds is if you have a just cause. It's just that simple. 
and you don't need a lot of propaganda. Once you invade a country, now the people there, they understand instinctively that this is an unjust war, and they will respond to you accordingly. And so that's a problem for Putin, uh, but it is also a problem for the U.S. if he escalates things. Glenn Greenwald says, War propaganda about Ukraine is becoming more militaristic, more authoritarian, and reckless. Reckless. Reckless and dangerous. Anyone warning of this obviously dangerous possibility has been met with a straw man cliche. You are arguing against a position that literally nobody in D.C. is defending. Less than a week into all of this, says Glenn Greenwald, Adam Kinzinger, on Friday, explicitly and emphatically, again, this is the guy pushing every bit of this you know, disinformation. So he and Dan Crenshaw. Uh, on Friday, he explicitly and emphatically urged that the U.S. military be deployed to Ukraine to establish a no-fly zone. In other words, American soldiers would order Russia not to enter Ukrainian airspace and would directly attack any Russian jets or other military units which disobeyed. That would, by definition and design, immediately ensure that the two countries, with by far the planet's largest nuclear stockpiles, would be fighting one another all over Ukraine. Kinziger's fantasy that Russia would instantly obey U.S. orders due to na rational calculations is directly at odds with the prevailing narratives about Putin having now become an irrational madman. So which is it? You know, you've created your, your Putin, right? Your Putin, is that, is that the right Putin, that he's now irrational and he's crazy? But don't worry, if we escalate everything and directly engage them, he'll be rational enough to pull back. Right. Uh, so uh, they say that's not just, he said this is not just metaphorically, but medically uh, ridiculous. And he's prepared to risk everything for conquest and legacy. This is not the first time. Such a deranged proposal has been raised. Days before Kinzinger unveiled his plan, a reporter asked Pentagon spokesman John Kirby why Biden has thus far refused to do this, refused this confrontational posture. The Brookings Institution's Ben Witts on Sunday demanded, regime change Russia, he said. Regime change Russia. We need to overthrow Russia. Yeah, let's not, as uh, Travis was just saying, Oh, yeah, we did so good when we did regime change in Iraq and Afghanistan and Vietnam and all these other places. Let's try Russia next. The president of the Council on Foreign Relations, Richard Haas, has celebrated. Now the conversation has shifted to include the possibility of desired regime change in Russia. This is why I say, you know, when you look at people from the Brookings Institute, from the Council on Foreign Relations, when you look at the globalists and how they're pushing this, I believe that uh, Joel Skousen is exactly right. These people are pushing to escalate this into a nuclear war. And so Glenn Greenwall says, well, there, there's a lot of questions here that should be openly and freely debated. Here are some examples. He said, number one, the severe dangers of unintended escalation with greater U.S. involvement and confrontation. Also, the mammoth instability and risk that would be created by collapsing the Russian economy or forcing Putin from power, or the bizarre way in which it has become completely taboo and laughable to suggest that NATO expansion to the Russian border and threats to offer Ukraine membership is deeply 
and genuinely threatening not just to Putin, but to all Russians. Even though that warning has emanated for years from top U.S. officials, such as Biden's current CIA director, William Burns, and people on both the left and the right, he said the clearly, also the clearly valid questions regarding the actual U.S. intentions concerning Ukraine. In other words, that a noble, selfless, and benevolent American desire to protect a fledgling democracy against a despotic aggressor may not be the predominant goal. But of course, that's the image, that's the narrative, that's the story, the fractured fairy tale that people like Sean Penn are there to sell you. Polish it up and put it out in a wag the dog documentary. As a, and as an example, he says, when Senator Mike Lee, long a vocal advocate of requiring congressional approval for the deployment by the president of military forces to war zones, argued on Friday that Biden's troop movements for Eastern Europe constitute war decisions that constitutionally necessitate congressional approval, he said, President Biden's unilateral deployment of our armed forces to the European theater, where we now know they are in imminent hostilities, Senator Mike Lee said this triggers the War Powers Act, necessitating that the president report to Congress within 48 hours. Senator Lee added the Constitution requires that Congress must vote to authorize any use of our armed forces in conflict. Glenn Greenwald comments and says, for this simple and basic invocation of constitutional principles, Lee was widely vilified as a traitor and a Russian agent. Are you running for senator of Moscow? Because that's where you belong, said a Democratic congressional candidate. Now perennial independent candidate Evan McMullen, a former CIA operative in Syria, started calling Senator Mike Lee Moscow Mike for having raised a constitutional point. And that's where we are, folks. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Has your news been censored, banned, censored, banned over and over again? Has vital information been held prisoner by mainstream and anti-social media? It's the duty of every thinking person to make the great escape to thedavidnightshow.com. There you'll find links to live streams, videos, audio podcasts, and support links. Live stream the show at DLive and every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Videos at BitChute and YouTube. New audio podcast, The Real David Knight Show, at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and more. But even though there's a light at the end of the tunnel, without your support, the show will run out of gas. The links to support the show are at thedavidnightshow.com to donate via Subscribestar, donate via or donate via Cash App, Bitcoin, or P.O. Box. Our sincere thanks to all of you who have stood with us to get this far. Please don't forget to share the links and pray for the country as well as our family.
decoding the mainstream propaganda. It's the David Knight Show. All right, and let's talk about the masking now. Because this is where the real war is, folks. This is uh, what they are doing to us, our own government. The CDC has announced indoor masking is no longer required. And they do it just before Biden's SOTU, State of the Union. Well, I think they did it just before Biden's SHTF, before his excrement hit the fan. (laughs) Because it was hitting the fan, big time. Uh, The stench was already happening. The CDC has discovered actual public health just in time, is the way Jeffrey Tucker at the Brownstone Institute pointed out. He said, one day I'm reading an internal memo commissioned by the Democrat Party to provide advice to dealing with COVID policy. And then the next day I'm reading headlines about how the CDC has drastically altered its advice on how to deal with COVID. It's all politics. It's been politics from the very beginning. It's one of the reasons why you have so many people who are medical professionals or doctors or anything else. But, I mean, you would think that if this is about medicine, if this is about science, these people would have caught on to it at the beginning, right? No, it was always about politics. And it was about recycled lies about vaccines, about the flu shot, and all the rest of this stuff. It was about what they had rehearsed to do for decades, going back to the first dark winter, all of these germ games that they did on an annual basis, sometimes two a year, for 20 years. It was about all of that. This was about politics from the very beginning. That was why it was so obvious to people like me who've been following this. Uh, And it took a while for the doctors and the epidemiologists and other people to uh, pick up on this. But let me tell you, You've got a situation now where you've got people like Dr. Joel Hirschhorn. You've got people like uh, Steve Kirsch and many of these other people who took these things at the beginning. And they have open, objective minds. They're actually practicing science, looking at different things. And when they would see something and they speak up and say, but, but wait a minute, look at this. This doesn't, this doesn't fit. This is not what you're telling us. This isn't right or whatever. And they're told to sit down, you know, sit down and shut up. They're starting to realize right away that this is about politics. Furthermore, a lot of these doctors and epidemiologists, and we did have some doctors, and we did have some epidemiologists that that uh, jumped on this, you know, within a couple of weeks or so. But it was obvious months before that they were going to do this, even before they did it. It was obvious that was what they were going to do. And I was talking about that more than two months before they actually did it. You know, from January before it was done, the middle of, of uh, March. And so um, you have another thing that is happening here. You have a lot of medical professionals and scientists who have actually been lied into this. And now they're seeing the deadly consequences and effects. That's why Dr. Hirschhorn is saying, um, okay, uh, this is what you need, not not blood thinners, but you need anticoagulants and things like that to make sure you have this because that's what I want. He's looking at this for his own condition. And don't you know how not only are they concerned, maybe scared for their lives, but infuriated about these lies. This is not going to go well for these people who have lied us into this thing. And so for them to hold a poll, and then tell everybody, just go ahead and move on. This is 
I got to say that as this whole thing is unraveling for them, that more than any of the rhetoric or the narratives or the push and the counter move and everything that's going on between Biden and Putin and Russia and America and the NATO and the rest of the stuff, I think that these people are genuinely concerned that uh, this is all breaking bad for them. And I think that they're going to have to do something in order to protect themselves. They're going to have to just knock the board over on the game of Monopoly and start a new game. That's what my concern is, as somebody who looks at the politics. This has always been about politics. It's never been about anything other than establishing their power, their control, and their 2030 agenda, whatever you want to call it. The UN 2030 agenda, the Smart Cities agenda, the Great Reset, it goes by a lot of different names, but it's the same thing. And they've been planning this for 50 years. The CDC has dropped most mandates for masks after the pollsters tell the Democrats to declare a win and move on. Listen to, this is the actual memo. Uh, it was um, from Molly Murphy and Brian Stryker regarding taking the win over COVID-19. These people work for a company called Impact Research. So they do uh, research for the DNC and they advise them on strategies. And of course, this is pretty obvious to take the win and move on. That's the strategy a long, long time ago. It was also the strategy, the smart strategy would have been, uh, and it was laid out before any of this stuff happened. As soon as they started locking us down, the New England Journal of Medicine said, we're going to have vaccine mandates. We're going to have to have that because these people out there, they don't want to take our shots. But we don't want to do that through the government. We want to do it through the private companies. We want to incentivize it instead of making this something that is going to get a due process challenge. So we don't want these people taking us to court. We don't want a due process challenge. We just want to do this through the private companies, and we can do it by incentivizing it. That was Trump's plan. Biden, on the other hand, I said, was such an authoritarian, anti-freedom jerk and has been his entire life. Uh, I've been watching that guy for decades, too. He is such an authoritarian jerk, he won't be able to not do that. And uh, so he will mandate it. He will put all kinds of penalties on it. And he will wake people up in the same way that Trudeau has woken people up. And... Um, so the smart thing to do would have been to do it through incentives like Trump was doing. And it was, remember, when we had these lotteries coming out there, the first lottery was done by a Republican governor, Mike DeWine, out of Ohio. Hey, you know, uh, take you. Want to take your chances? Roll up your sleeve. If you don't die, you might win a million dollars. How about that? <laughs> so that was the Republican approach. But these people are just authoritarians. And even when it doesn't serve their interests, even when it's obvious that they should just say, hey, look, we won. I saved you. Now let's go on to something else. They can't pull back. They don't want to pull back. But it's gotten so obvious that they had to. But to pull back, they needed Ukraine as a distraction. So this is what they advised them. I'll just give you some of the bullet points here. Number one, declare the crisis of COVID over and push for feeling and acting more normal. Thanks to Democrats, tell them. We're nowhere near where we were two years ago or even a year ago. Democrats have a tremendous opportunity to claim an incredible historic success, that they vaccinated hundreds of millions of people 
and prevented the economy from going into freefall. Oh, really? Uh, the next thing we can do is we can recognize that people are worn out and they're feeling real harm for their years-long restrictions. And we need to take their side. You know, instead of telling these uh, blue-collar workers, you know, take the jab or we're going to kick you out in the street homeless and jobless, right? Instead of doing that, we should show our compassionate side. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. Uh, most Americans have personally moved out of crisis mode, and twice as many voters are now concerned about COVID's effect on the economy, 49%. Then about someone in their family or someone they know becoming infected with coronavirus, only 24%. Two-thirds of parents and 80% of teachers say that the pandemic has caused learning loss. Voters are overwhelmingly more worried about learning loss than kids getting COVID. 60% of Americans describe themselves as worn out by the pandemic. The more we talk about the threat of COVID and onerously restrict people's lives because of it, the more we turn them against us and show them that we're out of touch with their daily realities. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, next one, acknowledge that COVID still exists <coughs> and likely it will for a long time. The next one, don't set COVID zero as the victory condition. <clears throat> they say 83% of people say the pandemic will be over when it's a mild illness like the flu rather than COVID being completely gone. And 55% uh, prefer that COVID should be treated as an endemic disease. That's what most Americans are dealing with, a disease with a fatality rate that is like the flu. Guess what? This has been that way from the very beginning. It was that way from the very beginning. Flu just disappeared, right? Uh, yeah, it's got some uh, different aspects to it. But folks, this is a pandemic of financially incentivized medical malpractice. Right away, whatever this is, right away, we had very safe, effective, cheap protocols. No side effects, very, very effective. And those were withheld from us by the Trump administration, by the press, all these people acting together. And um, so it, this everything that has happened has been incentivized by the Trump administration giving bonuses for identifying people as COVID, giving bonuses for putting them on ventilators to kill them just as surely as if we were putting leeches all over the body to bleed out the bad humors. Stop talking about the restrictions and the unknown future ahead. If we focus on how bad things still are and how much worse they could get, we set Democrats up as failures, unable to navigate us through this. When 99% of Americans can get vaccinated, we cause more harm than we prevent with voters by going into our third year talking about restrictions. And if Democrats continue to hold a posture that prioritizes COVID precautions over learning how to live in a world where COVID exists but does not dominate, they risk paying dearly for it. So, uh, you know, when it comes down to a situation and you make the cold calculations, did you hear anything about new data? Did you? Did you hear anything about variants in there or masks or vaccines? No, no. It's simply this percentage of the people think this and that percentage of the people think that other thing. And uh, if you want to win the election, you better go with what the majority of people believe now. 
through hard-earned experience. You know, it's been said many times that experience is an expensive school, but it's the only one a fool will attend. Well, they've been fooling us for 718 days now. But finally, we've got a hard-earned degree in foolishness. And people have had it with this nonsense. So why are the BBC and YouTube still censoring views critical of masks, writes the Daily Skeptic out of the UK. Good question, right? If the CDC is done with it and the politicians can't see that they can wrest any more advantage out of this lie, then why is the BBC and YouTube still doing it? And why is the TSA doing it? Well, I know why the TSA is doing it. You know, uh, they are always about theater. It has always been the theatrical security agency. The TSA, when uh, <laughs> the TSA, when we had um, uh, uh, in Texas, we had the uh, Texas House. When all this stuff rolled out with the naked body scanners and the pat downs on kids and all the rest of this stuff. Uh, they started to uh, introduce a bill in the Texas House, and it passed unanimously, saying we're not going to do that. And then when it went to the Senate, uh, the other side quickly rallied, and they got the lieutenant governor, who was a former CIA guy, and uh, Lieutenant Governor Dewhurst, and he was, um, uh, they set him up in the oil business when he got out of the CIA, and they paid more to get elected as lieutenant governor than anybody had ever paid to get elected to any office in Texas. And he led the opposition, and they basically said, if you don't let us uh, scan you and touch you and all the rest of this thing, then uh, we're going to turn Texas into a no-fly zone. Adam Kinziger would be proud, wouldn't he? And uh, at the same time they were doing that, we later learned, as um, one person was doing a lawsuit against these devices, and as part of his discovery, he got some documents that were they were not allowed to show publicly. And he didn't show them, but somebody there in the government accidentally posted them on Pacer.gov, where you put the lawsuits up. They were supposed to be redacted, and they put up the unredacted copy for a day before they realized their mistake. And in those unredacted copies, you know, it was very useful because you could see exactly what they didn't want us to see if you compared the two. In the unredacted copies, they said... At the time, they were threatening to turn Texas into a no-fly zone. They said there is currently no threat to airports or airplanes anywhere. It was all theater. The TSA is theater security agency, and it's still about theater. Now it's about the theater of the mask. So masks are still required for all air travel despite the new guidance from the CDC. It's all just arbitrary. If this were science, and if we were going to follow the orders of our scientific experts, then they would pull this back, wouldn't they? I mean, you know, has the TSA got their own scientific research organization that's looking into the efficacy of masks? No, they're listening to the CDC, who has the final word on everything. Uh, so it remains in place on airplanes. Uh, so, yeah, it's just days before his SOTU or before the SHTF. Uh, meanwhile, in Australia, uh, they're still doing the harsh mask rules for kids. I mean, there's been a lot of pushback and fight over masks in schools. I mean, big fight going on at the uh, state level in Florida. 
over this, back and forth with the schools, the teachers' unions, you know, the people who were uh, the NEA, the people who were selling the duck and cover stuff before. Uh, now they're still selling the cover up. But uh, even at local levels uh, in Tennessee, you have the uh, mayor of Knoxville there, uh, Glenn Jacobs, that um, uh, Guard was talking about last week, uh, Guard Goldsmith. Um, he stopped the uh, mask mandates in the schools, and then there was a federal lawsuit, and they put him back in. Are they going to take him off now? So what's going to happen with all these places where they're dictating this? Meanwhile, COVID deaths and the vaccinated people are rising while those and the unvaccinated fall. This is more data. I showed you last week, Public Health Scotland, and uh, they were showing the same thing. The reply was that uh, Public Health Scotland and now some American agencies are saying, we're not going to release data to you anymore because you guys are just, you can't understand it. Well, what we can't understand are your lies. So maybe you should explain, uh, you know, the uh, instead of withholding the data. But, of course, withholding the data is always their M.O. They do that about climate change as well. So now we got some new data coming from the U.K. Uh, HSA, their vaccine surveillance report, showing the same type of thing we've seen from American data, from data out of Scotland. As WND asks, here's the big brother nightmare. Will you be denied health care due to your beliefs? You know, death panels, the rest of this stuff. Uh, that's what we always are talking about with government health care. If you have government health care, if you have centralized health care, it's going to come with death panels. You're going to have people saying, well, you know, we just don't want to invest any more money in helping this group of people here. You know, they'll say, well, these people are elderly, so let's just cut them off their health care. Or they've got some disabilities like Terry Chavez, so let's just turn off the water and the food and starve them to death. And that's exactly what is happening. We always knew that'd be part of the calculation. And now that is happening with um, uh, not only with uh, transplants, uh, because we got every day we're getting more reports of uh, people being denied organ transplants because they're unvaccinated. Uh, but this is essentially a, a letter that has been sent to Congress asking the government to halt its own plan for a massive sweep of health data for everybody in the nation. Citizens Council for Health Freedom has sent the letter. They said, uh, if you start collecting all of this information and you give everybody a unique patient identifier, they said this is going to undermine the doctor-patient relationship. It'll be a womb-to-tomb monitoring plan to centralize patient data into a national medical record, records system. As a matter of fact, they've already tried this once before when Hillary was there. You know, she tried taking over all medical control. Part of that was a 1996 act that was called the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. But it was about creating a national database on people. And um, it was Ron Paul who inserted it into an appropriations bill a ban to fund that project. You see, that's how they began with this stuff. Well, we're going to make uh, insurance affordable. No, you're going to centralize determinations about health care. We know how that's going to look. We know, for example, that people who have religious objections to these vaccines, for example, uh, they're being given a choice. You either take the vaccine and violate your conscience, or we're going to let you die without an organ transplant. They will do the same thing based on your political and religious affiliations. No 
doubt about it. As a matter of fact, the new FDA CDC study shows that they know that COVID vaccines are causing myocarditis in children, but they refuse to pull them from the market. They said uh, myocarditis, pericarditis after COVID-19 vaccinations, said the CDC on its website, are rare. Myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle, and they explain what it is. But they said, uh, VAERS has received 2,248 preliminary reports of myocarditis or pericarditis among people ages 30 years and younger. Most of these cases have been reported after receiving Pfizer or Moderna, uh, particularly male adolescents and young adults. Of course, they're acknowledging this because they're starting to move to a posture where they can try to defend themselves against criminal fraud, criminal fraud and murder. But understand, you're also seeing a lot of mainstream media uh, set pieces where they say, well, we're also being told that perhaps we could reduce the, the uh, incidences of myocarditis if we space out these shots a little bit more. Well, wait a minute. I thought your response was, it's rare, we don't care. Every time we show this and every time you show them the, their own database, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, every time you show that to them, their response is, it's rare, we don't care. It's rare, we don't care. Over and over and over again. Was it rare to have a 737 MAX crash? Yeah, we only had two out of uh, 8,200 8, or 8,600 flights. They don't care with this stuff. It's just rare. But then they're saying, well, maybe we should space this out. So now they're acknowledging that you ought to do something about it, right? Or maybe you ought to do a study about it. Maybe you ought to get the information out about it. You know, we've had at uh, CPAC, we just had Ben Carson uh, talking about the COVID mandates, about mask wearing, and the rest of the stuff. And he's trying to get on the right side of history. He said, uh, for a healthy child, the incidence of death from COVID is 0.025%. Guess what? It's been that way forever, Ben. Where have you been for the last 718 days? Where have you been before CPAC 2022? We had this data, two weeks at least worth of it, from Italy before the lockdown by Trump. And he goes on to talk about the deleterious effects of mask wearing. And of course, we all know that. And he, he lays out the problems truthfully and accurately at this point in time. But his vaccine impact says, can we really trust these people? Can we really trust the conservatives at CPAC, the people who ignored all of this stuff for the longest time? Um, so as Carson is talking about the long-term effects of the masks, as he's talking about how we should be concerned about the damage that we're doing to kids mentally and even physically about the masks, Remember that when he was in the Trump administration, when trillions of dollars were being given to big pharmaceutical companies under Operation Warp Speed, this is what he had to say. At that time, uh, quoting him, uh, this is what uh, Ben Carson, U.S. Housing Secretary and former neurosurgeon, said on Tuesday back then. He said Americans should feel comfortable getting COVID-19 vaccine once it's introduced. He was in Iowa to highlight the federal housing assistance for long-term senior care facilities. And before that, while he was still a candidate running for president, he advocated removing religious exemptions for vaccines. Do you understand? It's Ben Carson, 
neurosurgeon, Christian, and now, as of 718 days, warp speed skeptic. And yet, he was saying when, uh, even before all this came out, even before we had the most dangerous plague ever known to man, COVID-19, he was talking about how we shouldn't have any religious exemptions for vaccines. He said um, uh, at the time, he said people should not be allowed to refuse vaccines on religious or philosophical grounds. He said, although I strongly believe in individual rights and the rights of parents to raise their children as they see fit, I also recognize that public health and public safety are extremely important in our society. Let me tell you, when Ben Carson says that, well, you know, I believe in, I believe in freedom. And I believe in parents. And I believe in this. And I believe in that. It's just like the Democrats who say, well, you know, I don't like abortion, but we need to have it. Uh, I love the Constitution and the Second Amendment, but we need to have you turn in your guns. And that's exactly what Ben Carson was saying. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a doctor. But you know what? I don't really care about parental rights, and I don't care about your conscience. So, as Vaccine Impact points out, don't be fooled by these conservatives. Don't be fooled by them. As a matter of fact, while we talk about the pro-life issues, you've got a lot of people cheering Novavax. Well, it turns out it was tested on one of these fetal cell lines as well. I've seen story after story after story. Oh, it's, it's uh, not tainted by this. I guess we could put new label on there, right? It's fetal-free. No fetuses were destroyed in conducting uh, this, uh, well... No, they are still being used for humanized mice and for the rest of this stuff. Novavax is another one of these companies like Moderna that had never had a product before Trump showered them with billions of dollars. And now Novavax still doesn't have a product. They're about to bring um, uh, this to uh, market. But they've been cheered by the Gateway Pundit as a pro-life vaccine. You got uh, Dr. Peter McCullough cheering it as a pro-life vaccine. However, Sarah Quayle, uh, writing for the Personhood Alliance, went back and found that, yes, it has been used in the testing. And, you know, it, it is more than that. Because when you look at, again, the, uh, the way these fetal cell lines were, were grabbed, it wasn't that they uh, pulled a dead body out of the trash can and then decided to use it. These were targeted abortions. And they had to grab these cells while they were fresh, so to speak. And they're doing the same thing in a much more uh, heinous way uh, in terms of the selective abortions to get later-term organs to create humanized mice. And that is where the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmakia, these powerful men who do not repent of their murders of children or adults, that is where they are right now. <clears throat> Before we go to break... I started to read this uh, last week, and I ran out of time at the very end of the program. California nurse says, I want people to know what I lost to this vaccine. I'm a living nightmare, and it's not worth it. And in this story, uh, and again, let's see, you find this. This is that vaccine impact. Uh, she's a career nurse, a 49-year-old. She used to run up to 30 miles a week. She had no pain. She was taking no medication. Very healthy had worked for a long time, worked in the front lines of the so-called pandemic. And then she got vaccinated. And uh, she said, um, 
After the second shot, she was okay with the first one. After the second shot, her health spiraled out of control. She said, my doctor knew it was a vaccine. He said, hopefully it'll go away. But it never did. Now she has a life that is a nightmare of symptoms and health problems. Her doctor cannot explain what has robbed her of her life and her job. She said, I'm fighting every day to live in gratitude and to be positive amidst the suffering. You don't know how devastating this has been. I'm a caged bird. It's really sad. She said, this is not just about losing your health. It's about your livelihood and everything. I want people to know what I lost to this vaccine. The travesty, the devastation, the living nightmare. Uh, she said, and it talks about her early work there, but I want to get to um, uh, when she had the, um, uh, the reaction. She said, I, I knew it was uh, still being affected by the vaccine after the second shot, but she said, I wasn't dwelling on it. I still had a quality of life. I'd get up in the morning with a joyful heart, still for adventure. And then her elbows, her ankles, her knees became so painful she could no longer squat or stand up. She tried to run like normal, but her legs felt heavy. Then June hit, and with it, a case of shingles, followed by sharp pains in her chest, legs, and back. She went to a local hospital, emergency room, asked for a full workup of blood and heart tests. She said the labs looked good. They checked for inflammatory things, and everything else was fine. But she said, some of this doesn't show up in your labs. Symptoms continue to multiply. Blurred vision, numbness, dry, burning sensations, wobbly legs, muscles that jerk involuntarily. Body-wide tingling, sharp pains in her chest and legs, lost neck function. Always a debilitating fatigue, she said. So I went to the ER twice. They dismissed me. They said, go see your primary physician. Uh, she said her doctor then referred her to specialists. And then it becomes you're a crazy person because nobody wants to talk about this. They're afraid of it. It's a political thing. It's a political football. We're not talking about science. We're not talking about medicine. We're not talking about health care. We're talking about totalitarian politics. She said the 50, 60-hour week she put in before, she couldn't do now. Now she said, I could put in only four hours one day, and I was exhausted. Her last day was late January 22. Now, uh, 2022. Now, this is uh, where her story is a bit different. We've talked about all these different types of things. We've told you the tragic personal stories. And you need to hear the tragic personal stories because like Stalin said, a million deaths is a, t is a statistic. One death is a tragedy. But as she's talking about all these different things and her fight to live, she said, whenever she's able to budget her energy and go shopping or run errands, she often meets people who are suffering in silence like her. See, this is the problem for them right now. This is why the CDC is pulling back. This is why they're doing very dangerous games with Russia in Ukraine. Because this problem is getting so big, the insurance companies are seeing it, the doctors are seeing it, uh, the, um, uh, the victims themselves are starting to network together. And she said, one guy at Coffee Bean told me that his wife had a terrible arm pain and issues with her arm. I was at Nordstrom Rack checking out and shared my story, and the lady came around the counter and hugged me and thanked me and pointed to the young girl next to her and said, she's been having heart palpitations. Almost every person we come into contact with and start talking about it, they know multiple people who have been hit by this, and they don't even know it's the vaccine that hit them. Not yet. I'm doing my best. This stuff is real. It's everywhere. 
so uh, somebody, you know, she meets somebody, somebody, he's suffering. Somebody said, did you get the vaccine? He says, yes. Reply. Everywhere we go, we meet people. Uh, the friend who runs a business in uh, Conejo Valley, this is coming out of that particular paper. Good for them. In the grocery line, people will say, how are you doing? Krista says, not well. The vaccine injured me. 100% of the time they say, oh, my cousin, my husband, or somebody else that they know or have or related to. Every time, every time that happens, she said, Krista is not the type of person to cry on other people's shoulders, but this has to get out. People have to start spreading the word. One doctor shared that a patient lost hearing in both of her ears. A woman's clinic employee told her the clinic is inundated with vaccinated women experiencing menstrual bleeding. A common complaint is that primary care doctors shuffle suffering people off to specialists whose tests never lead to diagnosis or treatment. They're just ignored. She says, if somebody's got cancer, there's a path and there's a plan of care. Doctors, specialists, and nurses rally around you. They support you. But with us, there's no support. These people are the true lepers of our society. Untouchable, get out of my sight. I don't want to have anything to do with you. She said, I'm mourning the loss of my health and it's devastating. I'm physically compromised, physically disabled. I'm pretty self-aware, but I can't accept this. I'm so angry, so devastated, so sad. I miss my lust for life, my excitement, my smile. I used to smile all the time. Now, when I do, it's phony. It's fake. Finally, this is what she says. To those who are wary of getting the COVID Trump shots, she said, do not cave because you do not want to be like me. I don't want anyone to lose their health. I was a thriving 50-year-old. I'm telling you, inflammation in your body takes years off your life. Your body is taxed. It's overworked. It's fighting this inflammation that is wreaking havoc on your organs. Nothing is worth it. Not your job, not your health. Uh, it's not worth it, your job, your health, your physical, mental well-being. When you lose all of that because of a vaccine and they have no cure for you and they won't even acknowledge it, nothing is worth it. I'm a living nightmare. It's not worth it. All right, we're going to take a break. Before we do, real quickly, I just want to thank some of the people who have been leaving tips on Rockfin. By the way, if you want to watch us on Rockfin, you can go to rockfin.com forward slash David Knight, and you can find the show streaming live during the day. And then it is stored there, so you can immediately see it. It takes us a little bit of time to upload it to the other video platforms, and we also typically will pull out interviews and other things and put them up separately on the video platforms. You can also find the full podcast uh, wherever fine podcasts are heard. Uh, there's a couple of places that have censored me, but uh, those aren't the places where fine podcasts are heard. Uh, but anyway, you can find it. And if you want to find us and are looking for links, you can go to thedavidnightshow.com and find that and also how you can support us. And I want to thank everybody. We're up to about 90% here on this last day of February. And uh, so I thank you for your support. And I want to thank the people who have uh, left some tips for us on on Rockfin. Uh, Truck driver Ron, $5, said, uh, to the most band man I know. <laughs> Uh, Big Brains, 3,000 Trend, $5. Thank you, both of you. Uh, Edward uh, Chimalecki, $10. Frank Lopez, $5. Rebecca Rose Newton, $2. Thank you, all of you. And then finally, we have from uh, Brian McCarthy, McCartney, $5. God bless and keep you, David, and family. We truly appreciate all that you do and that you stand for our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, 
we're going to take a quick break, as I said, and we'll be right back uh, with uh, Sam, who is one of the people who was targeted over January 6th. He was targeted for being a journalist, for actually doing his job, and now he's going to be running uh, for U.S. Congress, and uh, the uh, primary is tomorrow. Primary is when it's important for you to show up. So we're going to talk to uh, Sam Montoya about his campaign. And we will be right back. Stay with us. Deceit. Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You're listening to The David Knight Show. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation, They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. thedavidnightshow.com. And joining us now is Sam Montoya. He is running for Congress in uh, the 35th District. Uh, That's down around San Antonio. And um, that is, um, we're having a primary tomorrow. And folks, the primary, uh, wherever you are, the primary is what is really important because that's where you have the only chance to really kind of get independent candidates in. After the primary is over, you're going to wind up with the establishment candidates if you don't support these independent candidates. So I want to talk to Sam. Sam is somebody I know from InfoWars. He still works there, as a matter of fact. But he is the only journalist that was arrested and hassled for what happened on January the 6th. So joining us now is Sam Montoya. Thank you for joining us, Sam. Thanks a lot, David. It's a big pleasure and honor to be here. Yes, sir. Oh, you're looking great there. Sam, I'll tell you, that, that's great. I, I got your uh, campaign signs and everything. And, and, you know, Sam, after he was targeted uh, for this, 
Instead of cowering down in fear, uh, Sam decided that he was going to to run for Congress. Is is that how that worked out? I'm assuming that's what uh, what happened, Sam. That, that's 100 percent accurate. Uh, like I was sharing with you in the break, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I would be have been specifically targeted and, and persecuted here, uh, I don't think I'd be running, frankly. But uh, that day definitely affected me deeply. Um, as you know, uh, I also filmed the the tragic shooting of uh, 14-year Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt. So I definitely yes. saw a lot and had a lot to say about, you know, what happened that day. But uh, yes, sir, I was arrested on April 13th. Uh, FBI came in my home, confiscated my electronics. Uh, they even took my MAGA hat as evidence because <laughs> I was wearing it in the building. So thought crime. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> thought crime right there. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what happened after the arrest? I, that's where I lost track of what was going on with you. How long uh, were you well, in jail? Well, I was only in jail for a couple of days. Uh, then I was able to bond out. Uh, I have been out since then. Um, but obviously, it's it's been a, a legal battle, a, a struggle, because, you know, um, you just never really, it's, it's, you never really expect your government mm -hmm. to target you the way that, that uh, I've been targeted, especially after, like you said, I was doing my job. Uh, I am employed by InfoWars, like you said. I'm an editor. I'm a cameraman. Uh, sometimes I'm a reporter. Uh, that day I was reporting on what was going on in the building. Uh, so I definitely didn't expect to be targeted. But uh, since then, you know, I've had to uh, drop a lot of money to get a lawyer. and uh, My lawyer's doing the best he can to fight for me. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going up against the... Goliath of the U.S. government here. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, bring me the know, man. It, I'll find the crime. What, what did they charge <laughs> you with? So uh, I, I generally tell people that basically boils down to a misdemeanor of federal trespassing. But I think there's about five charges that are uh, different charges that add up to about seven years maximum. So uh, I'm hoping to get the case dismissed or, or win. You know, we'll see how wow. things go legally. But uh, those are the charges right now. And on my website and about me, if anybody's interested, I put a link to the uh, affidavit and statement of facts to those charges. Wow. You know, I, I've, I've commented on your particular situation several times. And I said, uh, uh, and a lot of people point out, oh, here's the dangerous insurrection. Here's a guy with a camera walking between the velvet ropes, you know, <laughs> taking pictures of yeah. stuff. And, and I've commented on it and I said, you know, if you're a real reporter, why in the world wouldn't you go where all this stuff is happening? I mean, you know, this is a, a, a big event going on here and that's what you're there to do is to show people what is happening. Why wouldn't you go in there? And as you pointed out, you're the only reporter uh, who was, uh, had any charges brought up against them. You know, we had another guy, I think, who was pretending he was an Antifa guy and he was pretending to be um, a MAGA guy and they put some charges against him temporarily once they found out, oh, no, he was just, uh, he, he's a real Antifa, so we'll let him go. But you were actually doing legitimate reporting work and, uh, and you know, you're the only person that was uh, tagged for that, right? Uh, yes, sir. Well, there were many people in there that uh, would consider themselves independent journalists and, and I as well consider them journalists. Yeah, and I agree. frankly, I think the first amendment uh, covers their work as well. I agree. Uh, the only thing, the only thing uh, difference being specifically out of every single person charged, 
Uh, I am not self-employed. I, like you said, I work for InfoWars. I was there reporting. I was doing my job. And it is important that the press be where news is happening. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trained to go into situations. You know, I'm a, I'm a young male, you know, who's aware here. And so, you know, I, I was, uh, as a cameraman, I, I remember getting into a lot of different situations during 2020 when I was filming the BLM protests in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm aware of how to do my job. So that's why I went in the Capitol building. Like you said, I was doing my job, but I, th- I think, uh, you know, the audience can decide for themselves why they chose to target me specifically um, because of who I work for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and that's the key thing too. I mean, we're not uh, saying that you need to have credentials to be a reporter. I absolutely agree with you. I'm independent now myself, uh, but I'm still a journalist and still reporting. And if I saw something like that happening, you better believe that, you know, if I was there, I'd be right in it. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's the key thing. We don't want to have a credentialed press, but even when you have credentials and you're not even self-employed, you're, you're part of a group, they, they still target you for that because they're targeting, uh, your religious beliefs and they're trying to create, uh, something out of this that it is not. Talk to us a little bit. Of just, I, I want to talk about, uh, the issues that you're running on. Uh, but one last question here, um, what happens, uh, coming up in the future? What are your court dates in terms of uh, trials? Have they given you any indication? Well, like I said, I was arrested April 13th of last year. Um, as of right now, uh, they have continued to postpone and, and push off my court date, which uh, my lawyers love him, to be honest with you, because, you know, he's he's trying to fight for me as hard as possible. And, and in his opinion, that's a, a good situation to be in. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people have already had their day in court. I haven't. Um, it is still pending my initial hearing. So as of right now, I don't really know, you know, what's going to happen other than the fact that I'm trying to get out there and tell the truth about what happened to me, uh, what is happening to me, what I saw on January 6th and why I see why I think it's important to to stand up and to not cower when, you know, when you're being persecuted, even by your own government. That's right. Absolutely. And and just to let everybody know, I mean, you've got a, a website here for your. Uh, congressional uh, campaign, but tell people where they can go to uh, support you in terms of your legal fight as well. Sure. I do have a give, send, go. Actually, that's a good point. I haven't linked that yet uh, on my uh, website, but my website is capitalsam.com, mm-hmm. capital with an O, like the U.S. Capitol building, capitalsam.com. Uh, I do have social media in the upper right corner, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, yeah, it's, it was quite a bit of money. I had to, I, on my gifts and go, I let people know that I had to actually come up with $50,000 quickly to hire a lawyer. So it was very, very expensive. Um, but I think that the, I think that's exactly why I feel something inside me has been awoken or awakened, however you say it, because I should not be persecuted for what I did that day. I should not be targeted. And uh, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. So I'm fighting for the rights of all journalists, even those I disagree with. That's right. And so that's why if you're in uh, the uh, 35th district uh, tomorrow, uh, make sure that you look for Sam Montoya on the ballot, because folks, this is one way to speak back to the power. Uh, This is somebody who is pushing back after being targeted, uh, wrongfully targeted for doing his job as a journalist. No question. 
No question. No case can be made that he wasn't there as a journalist. And so um, I, I want to talk to you now, Sam, about uh, some of your your policies there. Um, mandates and lockdowns. What do you want to do about mandates and lockdowns? Well, I think uh, I'm against mandates, bottom line. Uh, I think that it's just another form of, of tyranny eroding our you know, God-given liberties and rights. And, uh, you know, if we give, the, the more power we give to the government, then they're never gonna give that back to us. So as far as, you know, mask mandates, I, I'm against that. I also think lockdowns have been horrible for the economy and, you know, for churches, for the community, and even for families. Um, uh, we're really ignoring the, the long-term effects of lockdowns, which even now studies are showing have had little to no effect. So, I mean, we we knew that from the beginning going in, uh, especially here in Texas, we tried to stay away from lockdowns, but as you are aware, you know, uh, Governor Abbott uh, did enact uh, lockdowns for a period which affected our businesses here, you know, That's very right. negatively. Yeah, so your, father's I, I, a, your father's a pastor, right? Has been a missionary. Is he still a pastor here in this area? Was, was his church affected by that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really affected the community because my dad could have, you know, welcomed them into the building. But uh, we actually had outdoor church services at the local high school and uh, in, a lo in a field here in San Marcos just to make the church feel a little bit more comfortable at that time, because it was it was happening to all churches. It was happening to all businesses at the same time. So uh, now we do have indoor services and, uh, you know, you can wear a mask if you want to. But yes, sir, he's still a pastor here in San Marcos, Texas. Uh, he has been since 1971. How do we keep this from happening again, uh, Sam? Uh, you know, because I look at this and we're going in. I, I, I mark all of this disaster uh, from the declaration of a national emergency on that Friday the 13th, 2020, 718 days of this. How do we keep this from happening again? Because all it ha all they have to do is we just have to have some expert somewhere say it's an emergency and they create martial law. And it doesn't have to be a medical emergency now. They've established the, this kind of a precedent. What do we have to do um, if you were elected to Congress? What do we have to do to keep this from happening again? That's a really good question. Um, unfortunately, I think we've uh, what we're seeing here is a propaganda campaign that is multifaceted, uh, where you see the media and uh, government basically bombarding us with messaging about how, like you said, they're the ones who know best. They're the experts. Um, even the government uh, officials uh, seem to uh, kowtow to Big Pharma. So as far as you know, what we can really do, my goal is to be a strong representative and a, an opponent to these types of policies that are bad for, you know, basically they're bad for the health of our society because it's, it's tearing us apart. It's making a, a two tier system where like you were sharing earlier about uh, people who are having trouble getting medical care or are suffering from the effects of the vaccine and being ignored. Uh, the, the government really needs to, be honest about the role that it's supposed to play in there. So as far as what I think I can do, I want to I want to use the platform of being an elected official to be 
blunt and honest and get the word out about what's really happening to my community and what I see happening uh, within society about these lockdowns and these, uh, you know, this fear tactics that are being uh, pushed on us in the name of profits for big pharma. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, having a bully pulpit like that, there's a lot that can be done. You look at Senator Ron Johnson, who has been holding, um, uh, you know, meetings where people speak out about what has happened to them. But he's about the only person I've seen out of all the Republicans. Nobody else is doing anything like that, uh, showing uh, the victims of this and, and trying to get some help for them. Uh, the Democrats are not interested and no other Republicans that I can see are interested in shining the light on what has happened here. Because, uh, as you know, everybody's in the pocket of the big pharmaceutical companies, including Trump. So we've got all of this that is happening and, and nobody is speaking out. I mean, there's so many different things, I think, that, that could have been done over the last couple of years by Republican Sam. You know, they could have put it, they could have taken away the liability protection uh, from these uh, vaccine companies. They didn't do that. Uh, they could have uh, stood against some of this uh, excessive spending that financially incentivized uh, this medical malpractice, giving bonuses to hospitals to identify somebody as COVID. But it seems to me like there's got to be some kind of a fundamental understanding that we are not going to have the rule of law suspended because some bureaucrat somewhere at some level says, I've got an emergency. I mean, you know, isn't isn't that something that I think really is the vital? How do we at this point? I think everybody realizes, Sam, that we've been had, right? And, and I think now we've got to start talking about how do we keep this from happening to us again? Because these people have left their power in place by saying, "Well, okay, now we're going to let you take the masks off." No, we have to take the mask off. We have to not comply. We have to take our lives back. As long as it's being seen that they're giving us back our freedom, uh, they have enslaved us and they've led us, uh, they've, they've taken away our life and they're doling it back to us on allowance as a privilege, right? Isn't that, uh, I mean, to me, that seems like that's the main thing, but um, uh, I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And actually the, the point you brought up is something I've been saying about the liability protections. If you really think about it fundamentally, like you're saying, um, they they should be liable for the the things that are happening to people. Um, the I, I, I've been telling people that I would have no problem with the vaccine being even mandatory on one condition if we took away the liability protection that the vaccines manufacturers have. And, and maybe that's not the politically correct way to phrase it. But what I'm really getting at here is that that's never going to happen. They're going to continue to keep themselves to cover themselves from any kind of uh, liability of injury or death that may occur. I mean, uh, I'm sure you've reported on the high amount of of, of damage and, and injury being reported on VAERS, the VAERS website. Oh, yeah. So it, it's it's just shocking what we've really come to as a society and what we've come to accept as as uh, as the way that things are supposed to be um, a year or two ago when this started it was a conspiracy theory to think that uh, we would even be talking about mandated vaccines for to keep your job uh, there's a young girl running here in Texas who uh, worked in the nursing industry who was also running for Congress I don't think she'll win she's in district 21. But I was talking to her because she lost her job because she wouldn't take the vaccine. So she decided to 
also throw her hat in the ring. Uh, her name is Dana Zavorka. But, uh, you know, this is this is actually happening to people. And if we don't stand up now, uh, I fear that it will be too late. So that's what another reason I feel strongly to run, because I don't think there's any time to waste. We see the agenda being uh, of the Great Reset. We see it being ex accelerated at an astounding rate. So I think it's time for us to to uh, fight back right now. I agree. Uh, you're talking about uh, this other uh, th this nurse who uh, uh, was kicked out of her job and is now running. Uh, one of the things that uh, that you're focused on is election integrity. And let me ask you: uh, Have uh, you or has she been allowed to be involved in a debate with uh, your opponents? Have there been any debates? Well, uh, I, I believe she may have been able to do that. Um, right now, it is the Republican primary. So to be honest, in my seat, uh, there's not too much attention. Um, the attention's more on the Democrat primary side in District 35 uh, because of uh, who they've already basically anointed as the, the uh, winner. Uh, his name is Greg Kassar. AOC and Elizabeth Warren have come down here and started campaigning on his behalf here in Texas. Um, there's, like I said, there's about 10 other Republicans running on my side. Um, as far as election integrity though, I mean, and it definitely is an important issue to me, David, because, you know, that's, that's what was going on on January 6th. Um, and, you know, as a, a man who was there a, a, and a reporter who tries to be as honest as possible, you know, what I see going on in the reporting, whether it's NBC or ABC, PBS, or Showtime, HBO, they try to make January 6th out to be about white supremacy or, you know, a KKK event when actually we were there to protest what we saw as election uh, inaccuracies. And that was what really was going on. And so, yes, I, I, I do want election integrity to be a primary issue on my platform um, because if we don't have trust in our elections, then things will really start to get bad very quickly. So how do we get election integrity? What's necessary? Sure. Well, um, I think we need to start getting involved uh, here in Hayes County. Uh, there is a group called the Hayes County uh, Election Integrity Project. Uh, who uh, I've become familiar with, and they are monitoring, you know, uh, what's going on directly at the polls. Uh, there's things that we can do in our community if we reach out and try to get involved where we can definitely start to set up a system where we don't have these kind of shenanigans we saw happening in, in Chicago and, and other parts of the country during the 2020 election, uh, where we can come together and, you know, let the elections be fair. You know, if the Republican wins, then so be it. If the Democrat wins, so be it. Let the people's vote truly count. I agree. Uh, you know, you mentioned Hayes County. I was assuming that you were down in San Antonio, but you're running it. It's in Hayes County is where your district is. Well, uh, it's actually a bit of both because uh, oh, okay. San Antonio is in Long. Bear County. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like a long, almost, I call it a jalapeno-looking thing because uh, it goes from uh, South Austin, which is Travis County, goes, it ironically goes down I-35, a little bit more on the east side, and then it goes down 35 into San Antonio, right into the downtown central of San Antonio. So you got Austin, 
San Antonio, San Marcos. You got all of it in one district. So this is in a Republican state. This is a handcrafted Democrat district. And this happens in all the different states because they will they'll go through and they'll pick the voters. <laughs> That's the way our, our, our uh, entire uh, electoral system is so uh, easily manipulated. And uh, so, you know, in a Republican state, they'll pick some safe Democrat uh, jurisdictions uh, so they can have protected Republican jurisdictions and vice versa in Democrat states. This has been since the beginning of uh, the Republic. Uh, That's why they called it uh, gerrymandering. Somebody said it looks like a salamander, some of these uh, districts. Uh, So you're in a Democrat uh, district. Well, you know, it's it's, Uh, it has been. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you're right. It it has been uh, a Democrat district. district basically for the past 12 years lloyd doggett uh was the representative here in 35 because of the redistricting that recently happened he's out so there's currently no incumbent in this seat hmm. um but it, it is considered uh at least by a news article I saw, one of the top 10 most gerrymandered districts in the nation so it's <laughs> it's it's right you're right i mean and both parties do it but uh, it's definitely I, I i'm ready to go uphill and make this district red. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're throwing your hat in the ring. I've done that in the past myself. Uh, When we look at this, uh, we have to understand there's so many different things in the political system that are rigged. They pick the voters with a gerrymandering. Uh, The political parties will pick the candidates for the most part. And then uh, there will be no debates, uh, either in the primaries or in the general election, typically. And, uh, and on and on and on. So I, I thought it was interesting, Sam, to see in Arizona, as they're talking about all these different counts and everything, in one area, uh, they said, well, we're going to get rid of all the machines and we're going to go back to hand, count, uh, hand ballots and hand counted ballots and people observing the election. And I think, honestly, you know, there's not going to, there'll always be an opportunity that, that you're going to have corruption for things, but you have to try to minimize it. And I think the more that we can maximize non-machines, and I'm not talking about just electronic voting. Electronic voting makes it a lot more dangerous. But if we can minimize uh, the automation in this and maximize the human oversight, uh, that's the best that we can do. But we still have to do something about this lock that the political parties have on the entire system from the very get-go. And... Um, so I don't know, uh, you know, my, my concern about the January the 6th thing, and I'd just like to get your comments on it. I thought that by January the 6th, that ship had long since sailed. You know, we had right after the election, you know, Steve Pachinik is telling everybody, hey, you know, we got uh, a sting. Don't worry, it's going to be rolled back. And all of this stuff with Stop the Steal just kept going and going and going long past all the deadlines. And even some of the judges that had been appointed by Trump said, you let this happen because you did the lockdown election. You knew this was going to happen. You knew the ballots were going to be mailed out to everybody. That was the real reality. It wasn't that they put out blockchain watermark ballots, but the fact that we had a mail out election, that you didn't just have a, a you know vote by mail if you are disabled or have something else that's a, an issue. No, it turned into a vote by mail election, and it was baked into that. And it was baked into that because he played along with a lockdown and helped to enable that lockdown. So to me, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, we should have been having the the freedom truckers and the people's convoy. That's what January the 6th should have been. And it should have been that 700 days ago instead of, you know, now, you know, that we're having it. So I guess, you know, that's that's my concern about. But there's much that can be done about fixing the elections, isn't there? 
Oh, definitely. And, and I agree. One thing leads to another, um, you know, because of what we've uh, gone along with, like you said, it definitely has allowed corruption to basically go out of control. This past election, like you said, it was where the, the most amount of mail-in ballots were issued because of the coronavirus, because of COVID. Yeah. So that's, that's basically the excuse for that. But I mean, I agree, we need to uh, you know, I, I'd like paper ballots to be the only way we vote, to be honest with you. But, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to be anything coming around soon. Um, but that would be the best way to, to track votes and, and to at least have some small amount of integrity in the election process. But it, it uh, you're right. It starts at the beginning. It starts with us. It starts with, you know, what we're going to actually take from the uh, the amount of corruption we're going to take from the government about our elections. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this is going to be a better time, but, but I haven't had the easiest time with the Republican party. So you're, you're I, correct. I imagine, I imagine that's the case. Yeah. They've already picked their candidate that they want, right. <laughs> they want to see in there. I know that's the case. Uh, right. You know, the other thing too, going back to January the 6th, you notice that none of these Democrats to this day, they'll talk about insurrection and terrorism and all this other kind of stuff, but they never talked about contagion. They were never, <laughs> They were never upset about the fact that she had such a gigantic crowd there, most of whom were not doing anything violent, but they weren't wearing masks. And and you would have thought that if the if the Democrats believed any of this stuff, and this was way before we had any of the uh, Biden vaccine mandates or anything. I mean, those didn't come in until eight months later. So this is way before any of that. And yet there was none of this. We're all going to die because you're not wearing masks and you're not vaccinated. So the, the whole thing has been phony. It's all been about politics. But let, let's talk a little bit about the border, uh, because, as you point out, uh, even though you're Hispanic, you're concerned about illegal immigration. Talk a little bit about that. Definitely. Well, basically, what's happening at the border is, you know, it, it's it's a tragedy. Uh, we have basically given uh the, the control of the border to the cartel in a lot of ways. Um, the amount of illegal immigration that's coming over is basically being funneled uh, by by the cartel. Uh, they're, they're becoming more violent and destructive down there. And I'm, as a representative of Texas, I would like to, f- to see the border wall completed in the most vulnerable areas, because I think it's important not only for Americans, but also for those that are tra- being exploited and being trafficked. You know, you have uh, sex slaves and you have uh, drug mules and you have, uh, you know, kids being abused, women being abused at the border. And the Border Patrol does not have the ability, they don't have the resources to take care of it because of the policies like catch and release and the refusal of us to take you know, building the, the wall at those places, take it seriously. Um, it's not a racist thing, but but like I pointed out to you earlier, uh, it is something that as a Hispanic person, people don't really expect me to have this position about the border, but it's it's the truth. Yeah. And it's, it's affecting us all. And it does affect my community. A lot of the people at my dad's church, you know, are illegal because they, you know, have at one point or another, you know, made it into America and they're just trying to go to church. We'll turn up nobody away, but it affects their community first. You know, it affects. And, and so I've seen it and I know what it's, uh, you know, what 
it can lead to as far as violence and just it's important to me to get it protected and get it fixed down at the border. Well, you know, there's a lot of crime, as you mentioned, human trafficking. And, and of course, even people who come here just to work because there's not a guest worker type of program that leaves them vulnerable to being right. blackmailed and other things like that. And and, and so th- there's a great deal of human suffering that is involved in all of this. And yet Biden is going to send Border Patrol to Ukraine. Uh, literally can't make this stuff up, you know, taking uh, uh, options to send people to Poland. You know, if you want to sign up, you can go there as a border patrol because we really don't need you at the border. We're not going to do anything to stop that. Any kind of interdiction that you could do at the border against illegal immigration like that would help to reduce uh, the human suffering. But, you know, Sam, it's not just the uh, it's not just the um, um, uh the, the people coming across uh, illegally or legally, Biden has shut down the border for everybody coming across legally. So if you're coming across illegally, that's fine. But if you want to engage in legal commerce, if you're a trucker, for example, trying to go across either the Mexican or the Canadian border, uh, Homeland Security has prohibited that. And, and I find it interesting, Sam, that nobody, again, in Congress, no Democrat or Republican, no senator, no congressman, has talked about Biden's side of this Trudeau uh, vaccine mandate situation. And, of course, he's doing the same thing that Trudeau did. What, what do you think about that? I mean, th- this always comes back. It seems like the central issue when it comes to freedom or Legality is always coming back to this um, uh, this uh, vaccine mandates and, and the pandemic stuff. This is how they have taken everything away from us. And we still see not only just this hypocrisy, but getting away with it and nobody even speaking out against that. Yeah, I, I, it's it's unbelievable, David, the things that Biden is getting away with. Like you said, sending Border Patrol to Ukraine. When I heard about that, I, I was livid because, I mean, does Texas have to change its name to Ukraine to get some attention at the border? I don't know. But uh, either way, it, it's not right. Uh, and uh, as far as the the policies uh, that, that are happening at the border currently, uh, you're correct. We need to take seriously what Biden is doing to the, the legal, like you said, transport that's going across the border, all in the name of a virus that, frankly, they haven't proven is really uh, affecting us in, in the, that that would make any effect po- in a positive way, that they would limit, you know, cargo or uh, however, you know, it's transported across the border. So we see the the people of Canada who are becoming aware that if they don't stand up now, if they don't truly take a stand and, and, and join together, then it's going to just get worse to the point where society is going to feel an impact that, that they, they've never felt before. It's going to be unprecedented. So um, I agree that the, the, Canada, the Canadians are doing the right thing by standing up to Trudeau's policies. Um, and we see Trudeau, uh, he tried to say he had COVID when he went into hiding because he knows that the people are, they have the moral high ground above what he's doing. Yeah, uh, I hope right. that Americans, I hope Americans come to their senses soon because I, we've already allowed Joe Biden and the left to get away with so much in the name of, you know, saving us from a virus that in a lot of ways, in most ways is comparable to the flu. Yeah, so. That's right. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I don't know if people really understand because Biden was very, very clever the way he did it. You know, he had his uh, uh, his uh, vaccine mandates that were supposed to roll out through OSHA. And then that got shut down by the Supreme Court. They said, we're going to fight it. And then two days after a Saturday, uh, you know, they had uh, DHS enact these uh, uh, going across the border regulations for truckers. Two days later, he said, oh, we're going to not fight the OSHA thing anymore. And everybody thought, well, that's it. They, they took this stuff off because he and Trudeau had been planning this uh, cross-border prohibition, you know, vaccine mandates to go across the border. They've been planning that for several months. And so he very cleverly, or not Biden, but somebody in his administration was clever. <laughs> uh, somebody yeah. in the Biden administration very cleverly did a shell game with this. And they seem to fool everybody. I haven't even heard the people in the People's Convoy saying, you know, Biden has got uh, – he did the same thing to us that Trudeau did. I mean, they're talking about all of the mandates, and that's good because it's not just that one particular thing. All of them have got to go off. But I think it would also be important for them to show – uh, how this game rolled out and, and how uh, ridiculous it was. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck. And um, again, if I could vote for you, I would. Anybody that's in uh, the 35th uh, district in Hayes and uh, Bayhart County, uh, take a look uh, at Sam Montoya. I know that uh, Sam is a decent guy, honest guy. He's a Christian and uh, he is one of us. He's not one of them. He's not in the club. Uh, so uh, best best of luck to you, Sam, and uh, let let us know uh, if any of this you know what happens uh, uh, you know with uh, January sixth. We'll be happy to put your uh, gifts in. Go. I'm glad you're not on GoFundMe. <laughs> your gifts in. Yeah, go. No, me too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put your gifts and right. go stuff out there to people. But right now, we'll uh, be looking to see what happens uh, to, with tomorrow's primary. Best of luck to yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. And like you said, I I am one of one of us, one of you, however you want to frame it, because I'm not a politician. That's right. I am, am a Christian. I'm a conservative. I'm pro-life, pro-Second Amendment. And I'm I'm just doing the best I can to stand up for my rights and for my country uh, because I, I love my country. And uh, that's, that's what I'm doing. So it, if I haven't been very smooth in my answers, everyone, it is because I'm not a politician, but I, I am doing the best I can. That's right. We, we've had enough slick talkers out there. We need somebody who is grounded in reality and somebody who's one of us. And that's Sam Montoya. Thank you so much, Sam. Best of luck. Thank you, David. All right. Bye-bye. The Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Past to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing.
If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com free speech to free minds it's the david knight show hey, let's free our minds let's free our faces of masks as you just saw there and let's fight for freedom folks uh again when we look at what is happening in canada we've got sanctions against russia we've got sanctions against free speech in america as well and, and you look at what is done and what is not done, the opportunities, the hypocrisy that has happened throughout the Trump administration. I mean, from the very beginning, 2017, we were just talking about the border with Sam. From the very beginning, I said, all right, they won't let you build the wall. Here's what you do. You fulfill two campaign promises in one. You bring the troops home from Afghanistan and you set them on our border and you don't have to have a conflict. Their mere presence would have stopped this stuff. You got a twofer right there. It took care of two campaign promises, but nothing happened. Instead of bringing the troops home from Afghanistan to protect our border, now Biden is going the other direction. He's taking the border patrol away from the border and sending them to Ukraine so he can get involved in a war there, a shooting war with Russia. This is how upside down our society is. Uh, the Demo Democrats who do the wrong thing, the, the Republicans who do nothing but entrench the wrong thing that the Democrats did. That's paraphrasing G.K. Chesterton. So the progressives make the mistakes and the conservatives make them permanent. So the uh, convoy supporters, bank accounts are still frozen. Uh, who is their enemy? Oh, it's not Russia as much as it is you. They came after you two years ago. They're just now coming after Russia. Senator David Wells in Canada asked the question during a Senate question period, uh, about whether or not these funds were still frozen. They said, well, it's probably not the case. Uh, you know, they've not all been unfrozen. So we're just going to put it that way. Meanwhile, one of the, the people who had their money frozen was a farmer. And this is not a farmer who went to the protests with his truck. This is a farmer who just made a contribution. I've already talked about the single mom who gave $50. And uh, they froze her entire bank account. And they kind of did the same thing with a farmer. This is a story from LifeSite News. A farmer from Saskatchewan uh, gave a, a, a donation. Now, his donation was bigger. He gave $500. But, uh, again, a single mom, two kids, you know, working uh, an ordinary job, gave $50. And they took all of her, uh, froze up all of her accounts. So here's a farmer. $500 donation, and they froze it. Uh, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, these are the good guys, the JCCF, by the way, they're, uh, they're also, uh, you know, exist off of your support. Uh, they were the ones who were defending these pastors who are getting arrested uh, a year ago in Canada, uh, and their churches that were being sealed off. Uh, so the JCCF is offering to pick up the tab for the farmer, 
who's chosen to keep his name secret because he's afraid of more reprisals. He said, yeah, they're doxing people. And then you've got these uh, hateful liberals who are free to make threats and actually carry them out. Uh, he said if he can get his account unfrozen from TD Bank, uh, that's the uh, the bank that sees it. He said if I can get it unfrozen, I'm shutting that account out right now. And he says, as a matter of fact, he said um, uh, both of his personal and his business bank accounts were frozen. He says he's not able to make any kinds of financial transactions. And it's got him thinking about moving out of Canada altogether. Meanwhile, a Canadian taxpayer group is demanding that Trudeau stop giving billions of dollars to the uh, CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, because, you know, he's stealing, they're stealing money from farmers and they're giving it to the broadcasters who are creating the fake narrative. But the reality is, is that it has opened this all up so that people can see exactly what is happening and see what is coming with the Chinese social credit system, with a central bank digital currency where they control and they have a true financial checkpoint as well as surveillance of everything that you do. Uh, one, some Canadian MPs are still looking at uh, what is happening because there will be a review period for this Declaration of the Emperor Act so-called Emergencies Act. So after Trudeau made himself emperor for a couple of weeks, there is going to be a reckoning. There is going to be an audit, perhaps. Uh, some Canadian MPs are speaking out, asking questions of the safety minister about the use of this Emergencies Act. And um, they said it doesn't really add up. You know, we had these border blockades, but, uh, you know, they weren't an existential threat. And oh, by the way, they didn't say this, but I've said this over and over again. They didn't do anything that Trudeau and Biden didn't do. Trudeau and Biden were going to get rid of 20 to 30 percent of the truckers. They stopped that bridge, Ambassador Bridge, which is where 20 to 30 percent of the trade goes. That's the same thing Biden and Trudeau were, Trudeau were going to do forever. And it's what they're still doing now. You still don't. They still have not taken off those vaccine mandates. But one of the MPs made this point. He said, you say that this was an emergency that people were threatened. But he said, I walked to West Block for two weeks right past these protesters. If there was such a threat to public safety, how could you have allowed members of parliament to walk by that protest every day? Excellent point. <laughs> They're not out there to kill us. This is not an insurrection. This is simply what it is. It's a protest. He said that the public health minister had, uh, safety minister, had previously insinuated that there were links between the protest organizers in Ottawa and several protesters in Coots, Alberta, who have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder. He said, so again, do you believe that there was a threat to public safety in Ottawa? I mean, if, if you're trying to link these people and, uh, to some other individuals and you're trying to charge those individuals, again, we're talking about allegations, not convictions. So they're making some allegations that some of these people were involved in uh, some kind of a conspiracy to commit murder. I would be very suspicious of that. looks very much like the types of things we've seen done over and over again by the FBI, especially uh, in uh, Michigan. But anyway, he says if that were the case, why would you let members of parliament walk around unguarded? Why would you let us walk right past these dangerous protesters all the time? Uh, he said, uh, those aren't just my insinuations. 
said the uh, safety minister. Hundreds of charges and arrests have been carried out by law enforcement throughout the course of the illegal blockade. Except the reality is that, yeah, we know that they'll arrest people. We know that they will charge people, but we don't know that they have a reason to do that. Meanwhile, you have an NDP uh, MP who wanted to ask, uh, who wanted to know whether or not the uh, mayor of Ottawa or the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, had express had expressly requested the federal government invoke the Emergencies Act. He said both leaders have declared uh, emergencies a few days apart in their respective jurisdictions, but did they ask for help? And of course, the safety minister kept dodging the question. And he kept insisting. He said, that's a yes or no answer. Did they? But, of course, he never would give that yes or no answer. We know why this is happening. We know, as uh, we said many times before, the protests in Hong Kong went on for a very, very long time. And the communist Chinese could never get control of it, even though they had a puppet in place, Carrie Lam. Until they had COVID. Till they had the COVID restrictions, then they were able to squash it and keep it down. And they are keeping those in place. So much so that people are now trying to get out of Hong Kong because it's all about the control. We're going to talk about the American truckers here, but I have um, uh, John Fisher uh, gave us a tip of $5. Hi, David. I'm a registered nurse in Charleston, West Virginia. I successfully fought for religious exemption from the COVID vaccine and mandated vaccine in order to keep my position in a large medical center. I was perfectly at peace with walking away from a 35-year nursing career if tonight. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, you've been a strength to me with your insights, information, and Christian faithful. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, um, and that's from Robin Fisher. Thank you, Robin. And thank you for standing for your principles. And it's not for me that you're doing that. Uh, God will uh, uh, richly bless you. Uh, for standing by your convictions. There is never a case where it is okay for a Christian to violate their conscience. I might have a situation where maybe something offends my conscience, and maybe it shouldn't. But how dare anyone push me to violate my conscience when I sincerely believe that I shouldn't do something? And, and how can anybody say that somebody doesn't have sincere religious beliefs if they're willing to give up a career and a job? Not just a job, but a career that they worked at for decades. That is the very essence of sincerity. That's why it is such a despicable thing that is being done by the Department of Defense. Kicking people out, many of them, at the cusp of retirement. They put in their 20 years. They're about to get out. They're going to take away that at retirement. They're going to take away the benefits that they've worked for 20 years to accrue. They're going to punish them that way. And don't tell me they don't have sincerely held religious beliefs. They have the most sincerely held religious beliefs. If they will give up all of that before they'll violate their conscience. And those are the people we desperately need in the military. I'm afraid we've got too many of the other kind. Well, the question then becomes, what is uh, the current state of the American trucker convoy? Uh, the people's convoy. I've got a couple of updates here. As of last Friday, uh, it was making its way across the country. Different groups are coming together and converging as they make their way from west to east across the country to get to the D.C. area. And again, I think they have uh, looked at this and wisely determined 
that they are not going. They've looked at what happened in Canada as well as what happened with January the 6th. They're not going to go directly to the Capitol and they're not going to block the roads, but their mere presence is going to help to slow things down, shall we say. And uh, so the point is to make their presence felt, uh, not to directly challenge these reactionary, dangerous, immoral people that we call the federal government. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to uh, tweak them, but you want to make the, this, this point made. Uh, People's Convoy is eight miles long as of Friday. Had a lot of vehicles joining up, and they had uh, raised uh, about $800,000 at that point. Now I believe it is over $1 million to help pay for expenses. Uh, and they made their way uh, yesterday. They got to the uh, through the Texas Panhandle, and a lot of people have met up with them. We're going to try to get some more reports about what is going on. It's funny. It's not being covered that much by the media. Because we got this other thing they started, this other distraction called Ukraine. Uh, again, you know, we can't do anything to support our freedom. We've got to be concerned about Trump's election or Biden's war in Ukraine while they keep us enslaved. Well, that's it for the broadcast. Thank you for listening. common man. They created common core to dumb down our children. They created common past to track and control us. Their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com